I want to thank you, Dee, and everybody else wants to thank you for producing the Sick and Wrong podcast for 15 years. And you're a Police Academy fan, so uh, I appreciate that. And we've got a gift certificate for you to the Blue Oyster. Anyway, actually, it's my favorite bar. Um, anyway, um, I'm wishing you good and, uh, and health, good health, and uh, congratulations. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon, Sick and Wrong, yes, you're listening to Synchronon, the Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening, welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hello, I'm Kate Rambo. It's cracking there, Kate. Better than the weather, D. Simon of Sick and Wrong Podcast. The weather here is awesome. It's like, if it's like 76 degrees Fahrenheit, what is that like? <laughs> um, that, I don't like? know, like what, 20 degrees? 23, degrees? 24? Yeah, that's perfect weather. It's been, we've had it all here. There's been snow and then there's been ice and then there's been rain. Oh, look at me. Look how British I'm being talking about the weather within the first five seconds of saying hello to you we'll be talking about queuing next <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's been unseasonably warm here but i haven't even left my house because uh there's like one in three la residents have covid so Shit. i've just been like yeah so i've just you know it's like wow it's a really nice day i think i'm just gonna stay in my house and fucking mm-hmm. watch movies so i've been watching movies you know, almost every night and yeah. uh, i had a very bizarre dream that I think was influenced by a movie I just watched the other night. Okay. WW84. WW84. I have not. It's the new Wonder Woman movie. Oh, God. Did you see the original? Did you see the first one? Are you talking about the original series of Linda? No, Linda Linda Carter is the best Wonder Woman. No, Gal Gadot. I think Gal Gadot plays a good Wonder Woman. She's beautiful. I'm I'm never, ever going to see these is it marvel no it's dc is wonder woman i'm never gonna watch this fucking this, yeah the first tripe. one the first Me one i didn't know uh, the first one i didn't hate but this second one was a jumbled mess i mean it just mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense and who is wonder woman who plays her it's gal gadot that is really actress okay it's really model slash actress i mean she's beautiful okay. and actually i think she i do think she plays a good wonder woman but this script for this one, it was like set in the 80s. And Kristen Wiig plays uh, this like cheetah girl. Like she becomes, I guess she's an actual villain in Wonder Woman. She's a cheetah Is lady. Is this with the, the Cro-Mags meme that I've been seeing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, this is how I know it. <laughs> that was kind of funny because <laughs> yeah. uh, there are a couple punk rock references. And there's a, there's a point where they're walking down the, the sidewalk or something or they're walking down the street and some punk rock chick walks by with a age of quarrel chromag shirt on but the album didn't come out till like 1986 yeah and uh this movie's wonder woman 84 oh um, how embarrassing how embarrassing for you know the oscar-winning film wonder woman 84 they will well, never win awards now well, did john was it john joseph or harley one of the guys uh responded saying like yeah, that's a load of bullshit, so fuck you. I've been friends with Patty Jenkins since back in the day, and I just yeah. sent her a shirt. 
And it's like, uh, okay, whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, like uh, Kristen Wiig, actually, like she plays this nerdy chick and then all of a sudden she becomes like cheetah lady. And that, I got to say, that kind of turned cheetah me on lady. a bit because uh, yeah. my whole, I, when I was a kid, I totally sexualized Chitara. Remember from Thundercats, the cheetah chick? From yeah, the, oh, yeah. I thought she was so hot. And in this okay. one, when uh, Kristen Wiig becomes like this cheetah human hybrid, I got to admit, I definitely had a chub. Did you have a little chub? I've always said that if I had to have sex with an animal, with a wild animal, it would be like a big cat because they are the sexiest of the animal kingdom, aren't they? Like a panther, the way they move with their shoulders. Yeah, but they have like a barbed penis. It would get stuck Yeah, no, but like a panther would like light a fire. It would lay you down gently in front of the fire on like a bearskin rug and it would be like, come on, baby. That would A panther would make love to you. And then it would like rip out your juggler. They're vicious creatures, all right? And yeah, they I'm talking about penises. if they were nice. If you if you had to have sex with an animal and it was all consensual, it would be a wild cat for me. Mm-hmm. Well, so anyway, um, Gal Gadot plays Wonder Woman. And the, the movie's a jumbled mess. I don't even want to get into it. I'm sure people have seen it, and you're just like, what the fuck is even happening? Like, mm-hmm. And then at the end, the, the whole story sucked. Anyway, I watched it. I was kind of annoyed. Got pretty drunk, a little high. Passed out and had this insane dream, and you got to help me understand it. So it was really weird. I, I, I like walked into my childhood home and it was like my childhood home from like South Africa. And I like, yeah. I walk into this home and uh, I just heard this like noise, like this, like kind of shuffling about. And then just kind of like a, I don't know, like a, <clears throat> like a grunting kind of noise. And I was you know looking around. No one's around. My sister's not there. The dogs aren't there. You know, where uh, my, my brother wasn't there, our Zulu maid was not there. It was just me walking into the into the into my childhood home in South Africa and just hearing this grunting noise. And as I was getting closer to the living room, the grunting got louder and louder. I opened up the door, and there's Gal Gadot. And uh, she has a man bent over, his pants down, and she's just pegging him, just pegging him right over the couch. Ooh, yeah, yeah, just pegging him. And uh, It wasn't the rabbi, was it? Well, let me get to it. And so oh. just pegging this, uh, this, this, a man, like a, he was an adult male, uh, right over like the, the, the seat of, like the corner of the couch, the arm of the couch. Yeah. And she was wearing, you know, at first she, I was like looking to see like, oh, is it, who's that? And it was Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. She wasn't wearing the traditional Wonder Woman outfit. She was wearing that Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt that the guy was wearing at the uh, Storm Capitol Hill rally. I'm getting a chub on that. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. She wasn't wearing that. She was wearing the gold <laughs> oh. outfit. In, in the movie, she has this gold outfit with wings. And so she's got the wings on, out and the gold outfit, and she's mm-hmm. just railing this fucking guy. And he's got a leather gimp mask on. And so I'm standing there kind of speechless, like there's a guy getting pegged on her living room couch. And the guy looks like turns to look at me, and she's just not even looking at me. She's just focused on she's pegging. pegging. Yeah, she's, she's just pegging. She's fucking him. The yeah. guy looks at me, unzips a mask, and it was the rabbi. He's the fucking rabbi. And he was the pegs. rabbi. And he's yeah. like, hello, David. How's school? David. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I'm not in school. I mean, I graduated like from college like 20 years ago. And yeah. uh, he's like, yes, keep up your marks and wash your hands. And so then I was like, uh, and then he just zipped up the mask and went right back to getting pegged. And I was just kind of standing there like, 
then I not knowing what to do. And then Gal Gadot looks at me and gave me this like kind of head nod, like scram, like get the fuck out yeah. of here. And so I left. Yeah, I just walked out of the room. So, so what do you think? What do you think this means? Like, do I want to get pegged by Wonder Woman? Do does no. this have something to do with Israel or Judaism? Yes. Why did I have a massive boner during the entire dream? This is kind of like an ask Kate question. Yeah, this is um, this is definitely about the Jewish problem and like what we can do to fix the Jewish problem that is currently occurring throughout this entire planet right now. Yeah, but it doesn't make we sense. Should, we should Gal wash our hands. We should wash our hands of the Jewish problem. That's what it's saying. Well, it doesn't make sense though, because Gal Gadot is Jewish. She's Israeli. Obviously, the rabbi is Jewish. No, 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 but Wonder Woman is not Israeli. Wonder Woman is like Gentile to fuck. She's from a, you know, she's from an Amazonian island. She's like a lesbian island, island yeah. Yeah, so she's, she's very Gentile. Yeah, Isn't it Lesbos, Lesbos is the isle? Lesbos, yeah. I've always yeah. wanted to go. I nearly went there once, um, but, you know, just did a stopover. I've always wanted to check that out. I love the movies they have on Pornhub from it. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't very know. Very interesting, Dean. It, it's a weird dream. I woke your up. Dad's message: You must wash your hands more, people. <laughs> Maybe that's what it has to do because of the COVID. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, like wash your hands and do I? Should I go back to school? We are being fucked in the ass by the COVID. That's what it is, and we must all wash our hands more. That is the message. You of know what? Dream. You know what? I think you're right. We're being fucked in the ass by the COVID, and not to mention, I got fucked in the ass because I wasted two and a half hours watching that fucking Wonder Woman. Oh my movie. god, it's a fucking double whammy, David. That's probably yeah. what it was. Yeah. You know, that's mm. probably what it was. Anyway, speaking Sexy of massive one. boners, um, mm. I think everybody out in the listening audience is about to get is about to get at least one or two once we start talking about Bob Berdella. Hey, um, there's so a segue. <laughs> over the holidays, when everybody's with their families, you know, spending time around the Christmas tree, opening gifts, Kate is in her home alone with her cat reading a book about Robert Berdella, the butcher of Kansas City. I did. I was. And, it's uh, a very good book. What, what's, what's the book name? What's the, what's the, book, what's the title of the book? The book is called Rites of Burial by Tom Jackman and Troy Cole. Kate was really into this book. She kept mentioning, we, like, we have to do this as a topic. We have to do this as a topic. And, mm. I, and you know, I wasn't that familiar. I'd heard of uh, Robert Berdella, but I had never really researched it that much. Kate claims that he's worse than Dahmer. He's worse than Dahmer. And he's, for all the gay slayers, I think Berdella is, he's hard to beat. I, you know, I'm not I so think. sure about him being worse than Dahmer. I mean, Dahmer had a higher body count. Dahmer's also trying to make fuck zombies. So... Yeah, but you'll, you'll find out what... Bedella regardless, is. regardless, yeah. both are depraved, vile creatures, and you're about to find out why. Um, mm -hmm. So Robert Bedella here, um, the Kansas City butcher. So from 84, 1984, 1988, Robert Bedella uh, was a business owner living in uh, Kansas City, um, he he killed and tortured six young men and boys. However, uh, prior to killing these people, um, he would commit just terrifying and shocking acts of torture, holding them mm -hmm. captive in his uh, two-story home, abusing them on a daily basis. He kind of he was the type of killer who kept these humans as torture pets. Yeah. Just for long periods of time, slowly carrying out his sadistic fantasies. 
And so um, what ended up happening, and we'll get to this in a bit, but uh, one of the victims ended up escaping wearing nothing but a dog collar around his neck. And that's how uh, police found out um, about, the, you know, Missouri's probably worst serial killer. Well, I guess uh, Dennis Rader is from uh, Missouri, too, wasn't he? Was he from uh, Kansas City? He's Kansas, yeah. Wichita. He was Wichita, Kansas. Oh, he was Wichita. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, Robert Berdella, the butcher of Kansas City, probably one of the most depraved killers I've, I've encountered and I've read about. Um, so he grew up in a, he grew up Roman Catholic, a deeply religious uh, Roman Catholic family in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, in the early 1950s. God, they're all from Ohio, man. There's so many the Midwest, killers man. from Ohio. Uh, do you know what? It's just the land of like the um, the abusive dads, Ohio. I think, if you, you know, want an abusive think, dad, they come from Ohio. I'm surprised my dad wasn't from Ohio. Well, I think Ohio. Michigan, Wisconsin, too. Just that whole area. Yeah. Mm. Illinois. Um, so from a, an early age, you could tell Robert Berdella had problems. He was a loner, stuck to himself, uh, very shy. He had severe nearsightedness. He wore like really thick glasses and a speech impediment and high blood pressure. He's so going to get bullied. He was, a, yeah. he was a definite target for uh, neighborhood bullies. And, and not only just neighborhood bullies, his own father would physically and verbally abuse this young boy for his lack of athleticism. His father is also just, mm-hmm. just a harsh, uh, mean old drunk. Um, favored his younger brother. Hated oh, I Robert. Know, I know these feelings, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, th- but this is also a very common, uh, you know, trope with a, a lot of serial killers, you know? Yeah, of course. Like they have a closer relationship with their mother than their mm-hmm. father. Um, when uh, Robert Berdella... You know, he's a loner. He wa- and he's a teenager, around 16 years old. He watched the film version of a book called The Collector, which is by author John Foles. It's about a man who abducts a woman and imprisons her in his basement. Berdella, very inspired by this film, thought it had a huge impact on him. Um, and he, he claimed later on that this was like his inspiration to commit his crimes. Yeah. And uh, The Collector, the main character, Frederick Clegg, uses chloroform to uh, kidnap Miranda, this art student he had become obsessed with, and he keeps her captive in hopes that she'll grow to love him over time. And uh, the collector actually inspired not just uh, Robert Berdella, inspired a number of killers. And uh, we explore it, um, that, that topic in this week's Overkill on Patreon. Um, I don't know, how many, how many killers did that, like four people? At least yeah, four murderers. Yeah. At least four murderers who were all like pretty high canon as well. You've all heard of these killers. Yeah, Definitely. so uh, Kate yeah. goes into detail on uh, Overkill, so go check it out on the Patreon. Um, so the similarities between Foles' novel, The Collector, and Berdella's crimes are undeniable. Uh, but the book isn't obviously isn't to blame for the acts of torture and murder that the man carried out you know, later on in his adulthood. Yeah. Um, so Berdella's uh, life got a little bit worse, well, much worse. A Christmas Day, um, when his father died at the age of th- uh, just 39, he was devastated Whoa. by the death of his father. And so, um, and, and to, make it, to make matters worse, his mother ended up remarrying a man that Berdella just hated. So Berdella loathed his stepfather. His home life mm-hmm. obviously was just horrible. Um, however, by his mid-teens, he's, he began to realize that he was gay. And uh, he kept it, yeah, obviously he didn't come out. This would have been like, what, the late 50s? Oh, yeah, 60s. yeah, you're not coming out as gay then, are you? 
But I think it gave him a level of self-assurance and confidence they never had before. Yeah. You know, I think it's because he's like finally figuring out his identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1967, he graduated from high school and he became very interested in art, weird art. And uh, his, the, the weirder, the better. And so his interest and his emerging talent uh, earned him a scholarship to the Kansas City Art Institute. So in 67, he moved from Ohio to Kansas City and he began studying there. Um, he was also able to finally uh, be open about his homosexuality. Um, you oh, know, yeah, late 60s. School. Yeah, in Completely. art school. Yeah. Um, he did displace, you know, a modicum of artistic talent, but he got quickly caught up in the drug scene. And he started kind of becoming like a low-level drug dealer. So what was he dealing? Like Coke? No, I think he was just dealing a lot of Pills? weed back then. Oh, it was yeah, mostly weed. Just weed. Yeah, mostly weed. And I think maybe like Black Beauties probably played a part, but it, I think he, he was uh, like a stoner. He loved smoking weed. Well, he, uh, you know, he got, he actually got caught um, dealing LSD. So yeah. I think he probably LSD and. Was that and when marijuana. LSD was legal, though? When did LSD get outlawed? Was it like. Well, I mean, everyone was experimenting nine? in the 60s. People yeah, say it yeah. was much stronger in the 60s, too. Oh, I bet it was great. It was good stuff. So it was also during this time when he was in art school that he began torturing and killing animals. So it always starts with the animals. They always do it. I know. I I hate it. Poor animals. So in 1968, he was busted for selling meth to an undercover agent. So God, he was just doing everything. Meth. Those are probably, I bet you the meth was like uh, Black Beauty. So Yeah, it would have been. So he was busted for selling uh, methamphetamine to an undercover agent. He pled guilty received a fine and a five-year suspended sentence. But only a month later, he was caught with marijuana and LSD. And so he spent five days in jail. But then uh, they ended up dropping all the charges for lack of evidence. So anyway, the drug charges obviously didn't help his uh, you know, reputation in school. The school kind of wanted him out. But even worse, it was his uh, disturbing performances that he did for his classmates. So he did several performances, all involving animals. One, he tortured, killed, and cooked a duck, like in front of his classmates. Aww. That's not art, Bob. It's not art, mate. He also did another performance with a chicken, doing something similar. He also experimented with sedatives and tranquilizers on a dog, like Mm. on stage in front of people. So the art school was just like, this isn't art. You're expelled. And so in 1969, he was forced out of the Institute. They revoked his scholarship. Um, but he didn't leave Kansas City. He stayed there. And so uh, he bought a modest oh, three-story home on 4315 Charlotte Street. Mm-hmm. Notorious address. That, now uh, it is. Well, I don't even think it exists anymore. Um, I think they bulldozed the home, I think. Well, I think they had to. Yeah, we'll get to this. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, this eclectic Westport neighborhood here of Kansas City kind of suited his personality. It was a big gay neighborhood, a lot mm-hmm. of gay bars, um, also uh, a lot of antique shops and things like that. And so he started filling his house with oddities and antiquities that he purchased um, and traded you know, with different collectors. And soon his collection began overtaking the home, so he, he bought a booth at Kansas City's Westport Flea Market in uh, 1970. And there he... Uh, Kind of, it kind of became a curio shop of sorts. Nice. Yeah, and so he had his own shop there at this Westport flea market, which I bet you that place was, was fucking cool. 
I bet he has some great stuff. Well, like he talks about some of the stuff when the police go into the house and they go through everything. Some of the things they list, I'm like, would buy. I want. I want to own it. Oh, I've got one of them already. It's great. Well, so at the uh, Westport Flea Market, he worked there as a cook. He ran his curio shop. He also volunteered with the community. So as a member of the local chefs association, he set up a training program for aspiring chefs. He was also a member of his local crime prevention and neighborhood watch, which a lot of serial killers do that as well. Yeah, this is all very John Gacy being part of the community. Part isn't of the it? community, yeah. yeah. They like to be involved. So mm-hmm. it looks like they're a stand up person. Um, this is kind of funny. So here's an interview that he did. So later on, after he was, uh, I think, like charged and in prison, he did an interview with a uh, Missouri based television station called uh, KCPT. And uh, here he's being interviewed about the food he served at the flea market potluck. So there are reports in the Westport flea market where you had uh, your shop that um, people would say, oh, yes, I do remember uh, he, he had these strange-smelling dishes of food. Uh, strange. That, uh, he had bead bones. And later on, there was speculation, at least in the community and in some aspects of the media, uh, that uh, the remains of your victim were somehow being transported and prepared as meals and prepared as jewelry in your shop. I was quickly able to identify to the police the other dealers in the, that section of the market where we re- rotated potluck rather than eat the flea market food again. I think I'd prefer the flea market food. Um, <laughs> but so... The- you know, we'll get to this in a bit, but the media demonize this guy, obviously. So I'm thinking I'm thinking this is one of their stories that he was like, you know, grinding up the bodies of his victims and cooking and it into like them. meatloaf, you know? Yeah. So, um, but th- this interview is great. I, I have a couple clips uh, throughout this intro where he's so like calm and collected as he talks about his crimes and talks about things. Oh, he and then, is. But I mean, he confessed, so he's not denying it. But he is trying to, like, shift blame. Oh, um, completely. Wherever yeah, he can. Very, very similar to Gacy in that way as well. Yeah. So his curio shop that he had was called Bob's Bizarre Bazaar. It's hey. a great, that's a great name for a store. It I is. love it. It kind of reminds me, there's a place in Chicago that was, like, I guess sort of sold novelty items. That's actually where I bought my Velvet Elvis uh, called oh, cool. Uncle Fun. I don't think it's Uncle I don't Fun. think it's around anymore. But Uncle Fun was great. Every time we went to Chicago, I'd go travel. I have to go all the way out to Lakeview to go to Uncle Fun because you could buy That's all sorts of cool name. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I this miss sounds Kiro like shops. it. Oh yeah. yeah, so cool. So at Bob's Bazaar Bazaar, he sold a range of weird items like drug paraphernalia, shrunken heads, books on the occult. Um, it also introduced him to a number of different people, including some who had become future victims. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, there's a place here called Hyena Gallery, uh, which is great. Oh, it's in yeah. Burbank. Uh, they have all sorts of weird stuff, and they get a lot of murderabilia there too. Yeah, they get great stuff. I really like. Hyena he, Gallery. he has a great Instagram too. He does. Um, so anyway, throughout the 70s and 80s, Berdella spent a lot of his time consorting with male prostitutes, drug addicts, petty criminals, and runaways that he claimed to be mentoring, but in reality. He was fostering more of a manipulative sexual relationship with these young men. I mean, a lot of these young men even looked at, at him as like a sort of father figure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they probably came, you know, they probably kicked out of their homes because they're gay, living on the streets, and he welcomed them in. 
Um, and Berdella, you know, I mean, he had money, he had influence, so he created this kind of imbalance of power in these relationships that he could use to control these young runaways. Um, and, and, it, and, you know, it's interesting that he was actually friends with most of the men that he tortured and killed. Yeah. Unlike he Dahmer, who uh, kind of, Dahmer is like a predator. Like, he would go out and hunt for men, meet them at bars, and bring them back home. Yeah, he was definitely an opportunist yeah, killer. he was more of an opportunistic killer. Yeah. Whereas Gacy, though, G- Gacy also befriended Similar. young guys and hired them, right, to work as construction yeah, he company? Would, he did a bit of both as well. He would go down to, like, the bus station, which is where all the, uh, the you know, like, the uh, the rent boys would congregate. The hustlers. And he would, the hustlers, the grifters, and he would pick them up and, like, he would kill them within hours of picking them up. Yeah. So, I mean, he, mm. he's kind of similar to uh, Berdella here. Yeah. I would so, say they're more similar. Berdella claimed his first victim in 1984, a young uh, 19-year-old boy named Jerry Howell, who was the son of Paul Howell, who was one of Berdella's acquaintances from the flea market, like uh, from his like whole art store. So he knew him. He was like a colleague of his. Yeah. So July 5th, um, 1984, Berdella offered to drive um, young uh, Robert H- or Jerry Howell to a dance competition in a neighboring town. I wonder if it was breakdancing, probably. Breaking, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was popular at that time. So on the yeah. way, Berdella plied the youth with alcohol and then drugged him with Valium and Asa Promazine. Uh, he then tied Howell to his bed for 28 hours, during which he repeatedly drugged, tortured, raped, and violated the youth with uh, an array of foreign objects, including his fist um ignoring his desperate pleas to stop uh he continued torturing the boy uh, until howell finally asphyxiated from a combination of his gag drugs and his own vomit so lovely like the main character in the collector Brudella used drugs to incapacitate his victims guaranteeing that they would be easier for him to control and typically his technique here Brudella would invite someone back to his home usually offer them a meal, because, I mean, he was a chef, um, drugs, or a place to stay, because a lot of these kids were runaways, and then he would serve uh, the unsuspecting men food or drinks laced with powerful sedatives, which is what Dahmer did as well. I don't, did, yeah. Gacy, did Gacy incapacitate his victims that way, or did he just, like, just murder them as soon as they went downstairs in the basement? Gacy was a bit, would, like, be a bit different with all of them, but he would definitely get young boys drunk, and then would like play the handcuff game, what you call the handcuff game. Or he would hit a lot of them in the head and do all that. But he would also sometimes dress up as the clown as or they Pogo. were handcuffed. He would dress up as Pogo. Yeah, could you imagine how Pogo. terrifying that would be? Like you're handcuffed. That we, that's terrifying. And then and Pogo walks, walks out. Pogo with a boner. And you know where that <laughs> boner's going to go. You don't want it. Terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, so once the men were unconscious and unable to defend themselves, Bedella would then move them to the basement or a spare bedroom where he would commit just unspeakable acts of sadistic torture. And he delighted. Like, he got off in inflicting pain on these victims, many of them whom he, who he, he knew personally. I mean, Jerry yeah. was the son of a colleague of his. He bound their wrists with rope. He used leashes, dog collars to restrain these young men. And then he would subject them to like painful electric shocks that he used. He administered using a 7700 transformer. Um, he also applied caustic chemicals such as bleach, 
uh, drain cleaner to their eyes that's causing excruciating pain and temporary blindness. Um, to prevent them from screaming, he would place gags in their mouth. Um, he also injected drain cleaner directly into their vocal cords to stop them from being able to cry out. Um, one of the most disturbing acts of torture was his practice of sodomizing his victims with his fist and other times vegetables and household items uh, that would cause such severe damage that he often punctured the anal cavities of these young men. Didn't he, he would cock up their ears as well so that the men, like, see, they can't open their eyes and if your ears are cocked, you can't, like, you know, with, like, cock that you use for walls. Oh, he just cocks. put cock in their... Yeah, cock, and uh, so that you'd be even more disorientated so you can't hear. Right, so you can't hear, you can't you. see, you can't scream. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God, this guy... And he um, would... And this guy's a This ghoul. whole time as well, when he had a victim, he would... He'd be awake for days. He would barely sleep. He would go to work and then he would spend the entire night until he had to go back to work again, violating and torturing these God, it's guys. It's almost like a it kid, getting a, well, it's like a kid yeah. getting a new video game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, now, this is an interesting aspect of Bobardella, which I think uh, slightly differentiates him from a lot of murderers, um, especially opportunistic killers here. He took a, a scientific approach to murder. I mean, Berdella kept detailed notes of how he raped, tortured Howell and his other victims on like a stenographer's pad, something he would continue to do for all of his victims, like like technical documentation, like a ledger of what yeah. was done. I mean, he approached this torture like a scientist, logging details, using code words to describe the sadistic acts including like when they when the drugs that were administered how his victims reacted he would inject the men with these sedatives to keep them compliant and then would oftentimes give them antibiotics to save off infection so he could continue torturing them to keep them around for longer and then he would note down the doses of the antibiotics and uh the sedatives as if like he was like a a nurse or a doctor he he was like mm. a, a a gay mengla more or less <laughs> You know? Yeah, he was. It's a good way to put it. So you had mentioned to me that uh, in this book, in Rites of Burial, he kind of they, they sort of describe what the uh, the the meaning between a lot of the codes. Yeah, I've got like a little. This is from some write out that they did. So this is with one of his victims called Ferris. So and this is this is also shows you the timestamps of how this he is just fourth did victim, Walter James Ferris. Victim. Nine o'clock, out, meaning that the victim is passed out. 9.05, shoes and socks off, move arms, snoring, no react. 9.10, test, need no react. Two and a half CP, left A, I think that's chloroform. Three CP, right A. So he's, he's dosing them up. 9.20, photo, close off, no react, taking photographs for his wank bank. And he's just Nine, saying no reaction, like, because they're not moving. No, because they're, they're incapacitated. Put, yeah. Yeah, he's put chloroform in them. 940, turned over, slight arm movement. 950, fing, eh, as in F I N G F, no react. Fing, like finger? Fing, finger fuck. F means oh. fucked. One and a half cc ket, arm, no react. So he's injecting ketamine into them. Front F, no react. So he's fucking them from the front. 10.15, BF, no react. So he's fucked at 9.50. Well, I I, so BF, 
I could probably is, figure that out. Uh, uh, but fuck yeah. <laughs> but at 9.50, it shows you how fucking insatiable this man was. You know, like literally 10 minutes before, he's fucking them from behind. Now he's from the front. Yeah, but he's, he's probably not behind. orgasming every time, is he? I think he did say that he did. So he's like, he's multiple orgasms Multiple here. orgasms. Because this is his fantasy, isn't it? 10.30, oh, sorry, tied arms, out. 10.50 to 11, carrot, F. Oh, so Slight reaction with vegetables. Wait, do you think he put these vegetables in the stew that he brought to the potluck? Oh, he never mentions that, does he? He's saying, oh, yeah, I bet he did. Waste not, want not. That's what chefs do. Waste not, want not. A little bit of extra flavor. And then that slight react. And then one and a half CCCP NK. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what NK means, but that's more chloroform being injected into them. Wow. 11 o'clock. Nut kick? 2 cc. Nut kick could be CP vein. That's more chloroform. No, CC? I wonder what CC is. It's probably. I know. C oh, yeah. Two CCs of more chloroform straight into the vein 10 minutes after. So he's, he's just given. injecting these guys with chloroform, which usually it's an inhalant. Yeah. 11.30 to 11.45. Um, BF. Um, cub F. Cub F. Could that be cucumber? Wait, C-U-B, like cub C-U-B. I'm thinking that's cucumber. Yeah, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure. Cucumber. They should have Slightly. a key. I thought they, they don't, the guy doesn't have a key, the guy that wrote the book. He does. He goes through his key, but like it's pretty like easy to work out. Slight react. So he regags him. So he reacted to the cucumber. He reacted to the cucumber. So he regags him. And by 12 o'clock, he's fighting him again. And then the next, the notes go on for two more pages with this guy. And underneath Friday, it just says 11.45, very delayed breathing, snoring, 12 o'clock. 86. Eight, oh, 86, he died? 86, he's died. Oh. And so then does it say 86 CF? Like carrot fuck? <laughs> Again? No, yeah, um, just for the fun of it. <laughs> Why not? He, so he kept this detailed, like, torture diary. And so, I mean, when, when he was arrested and police searched his home, they found this. I mean, it's like 60 pages of detailed mm. You know, descriptions of what he did and the drugs he administered and all that. So in this interview that he had later on with, uh, with the radio station, um, or the television station, the reporter asked Berdella directly about this uh, diary, and he kind of downplays it, like, oh, it was just a bunch of scribbles on a pad. Mm. But uh, here, let me play a little bit of this. Was that you kept detailed torture logs and diaries. Did you? I kept sheets of paper that I had made some notations on. This is between the mattress and springs on my bed. This is one of those packages containing numerous photographs and what became to be known as meticulous methodical diaries. Those pieces of paper in there are these meticulous diaries. These are the pictures of um the more than 200 photographs, some of them of uh, young men, sexual. Yeah, he took a lot of Polaroids. Yeah, as all throughout it. He's an, am yeah, an amateur photographer here. Partners, mm -hmm. and these are in some ways, uh, and these that we see here are the, the sheets of paper upon which you made notes. Right. Let's see. This is a copy of one of those pages. It looks like a loose leaf paper. Uh, it does contain information about amounts of uh, drugs and so on. So what is your complaint with the 
police well, calling these detailed diaries? <laughs> by your evaluation, does this look methodical? Doesn't look methodical. Meticulous? It looks a little sloppy. <laughs> sloppy. They are not the bound in Corinthian leather, written on parchment diaries that the- Yeah, how many diaries are bound in Corinthian leather and written on parchment? Uh, very few, but how many killers are keeping, you know, detailed time frames of like the time that they cucumber fucked their victims, Bob? That's yeah, I don't I think I don't think Dahmer did that or Gacy. No. Dahmer was kind of dim, wasn't he? He was an alcoholic. He's not, you know, keeping like stuff about oh, I want to keep my babies with me. And uh, Gacy wasn't doing that either. Yeah, this sets Bob Badella apart. There's very few killers, although um, we're Leonard that methodical. Lake, yeah, Leonard Lake was very methodical, and he kept um, detailed diaries about what he got up to. So Bradella kept uh, a lot of these young men in his home for weeks, just subjecting mm. him to torture and rape multiple times a day. Um, he took lots of Polaroid pictures of his battered and bleeding victims, often shirtless or nude, with collars around their necks, gags in their mouths, and restraints around their wrists. So after Howell died, Bradella butchered his body, leaving the corpse hanging upside down overnight with cuts and major arteries to drain the body, like exsanguinate the body of blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he would dismember the body with a bone saw. Occasionally, he would keep body parts, such as their heads, which he would bury in his backyard, wallets and IDs as trophies. And that's mm -hmm. another thing a lot of serial killers tend to do. Yeah. He would then place the pieces of the dismembered body in separate garbage bags along with uh, other assorted trash and just left them out on the curb for garbage men to take away the next morning. He was afraid that the sanitation workers would discover these grisly packages. I mean, I could imagine that's, that's bold to do. It's I very mean, bold, you yeah. Know, just to, to put the, the, the you know, dismembered uh, you know, pieces of a corpse in a garbage bag, just in like a glad garbage bag, put it out in the street with the rest of your trash. So he would watch from his window to make sure the garbage men didn't become suspicious about the contents of his trash can. I don't know what he could do at that point if they did. You could actually get away with that. Um, at least where I live, you could, because in uh, we call them wheelie bins. Our trash trash cans are called wheelie bins here in the yeah, UK. Actually, I've heard that term. And uh, what happens is, all the all the garbage men do here is they they wheel over the wheelie bin to the uh, to the truck, and the truck picks it up and dumps it in. So they don't actually ever have to physically touch the insides of your but garbage. But I mean, what if the, yeah? But what if the the bag like opened up in the back of the thing? And it was and, a head. And a head um, rolled out, or. Yeah. You know that would be cool, um, but you could, yeah. You, you every other Monday or whatever day they pick up your rubbish, you'd be like twitching at the window, wouldn't you? Yeah, just freaking out. Look, look in, um, yeah. Because the way he disposed of the corpses, though, most of the remains were never recovered. So I mean, it's you know he drained them of blood. Mm. You know, it's obviously that at this point, I think it'd probably be easier to dispose of them at that point. Um, so after uh, Jerry Howell disappeared, his father Gerald. Uh, you know, who worked, who was a colleague at the, you know, of Bob at the uh, same flea market, he suspected that Bob Berdella murdered his son. In fact, he reported his fears to law enforcement, claiming that the middle-aged man was the last person to see his son uh, alive. Um, 
Consequently, he was put under police surveillance for like a week or so, but the authorities were unable to uncover any evidence to charge him. So um, they just kind of stopped, dropped it. Yeah, let it go. Well, that's what's interesting here is during during uh, the same interview, the reporter asked him about about the police, and he claims that if, that the uh, the police's inept, ineptitude kind of led to more murders. Like he's trying to once again shift blame. For over twenty years, to my knowledge, it seems to me that you're suggesting that had the police done their job. Had they followed the leads, had they really been I keep on wanting your to case get caught prior to April 2nd, 1988, they would have caught you, and some of the suffering could have maybe, been prevented. Maybe not caught me. Scared me off, maybe. Prevented <laughs> things from happening after how. So he does kind of wish that uh, they would have stopped him. I doubt it. The guy's a sad, he's happened. a sadistic murderer. He got yeah, off on this. Same thing this with Dahmer as well, wasn't it? He uh, nearly got caught, but the police thought it was just a lover's quarrel, and they delivered his uh, victim back to him, where Dahmer quickly disposed of him. Yeah. That is insane. I think that just kind of comes with like prejudice against gay people at the time. This late eighties, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, in, in Dahmer's case, this young, like, was he a Filipino boy he or was, something? Yeah, he was fourteen as well. Naked, bloody, mm. dazed, running in the street, and uh, you know, cops. I think some prostitutes found him and they called the cops, and then the cops are just like, "Yeah, we'll just bring him back to your house." It's like, oh, it's a lovers' quarrel. Hey, fourteen-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, it smells kind of funny in here, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so the second victim, Robert Sheldon, uh, uh, this vi- uh, Robert Sheldon was murdered in 1985. Uh, this was a uh, Robert was a drifter that uh, Burdell had taken care of and exploited for years. He was 23 years old. Um, he showed up April 10th, 1985, at uh, Burdella's house, asking him if he could crash there. Uh, Burdella was not attracted to Sheldon at all, and so he didn't rape him. But he did restrain and torture him. He must have been minging. You know, it's like so big. Robert yeah, Sheldon. Yeah, I mean, this, this guy, this victim must have been so ugly that even Bob Berdella wouldn't rape him. Oh, God. So I think there's a lot of him. Um, there's a lot of pictures, actually, of Sheldon. There's more pictures of him than there are of some of the other victims out there. Was he minging? Definitely. No. He's just hmm. like a young a young man. But Bob obviously has a He's a type. Taste. He is yeah. a type. He's got a type and he wasn't it. <laughs> So Berdella began using um, his or began his experiments with chemicals on Sheldon to weaken his victims, leaving them helpless to his uh, to his torture. He bound Sheldon's wrist with piano wire in an attempt to permanently damage the nerves there. Put drain cleaner in his eyes and filled his ears with caulk. Yeah. Oh um, God. He also placed needles under uh, Sheldon's fingernails. Oh. When workmen were scheduled to come to Bob's house to uh to uh to do some uh fix fix to fix his water heater that's what it was uh he decided to suffocate sheldon and dissect his course before disposing it so he couldn't get caught oh okay yeah the workmen are coming around bye yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. that following june um the third victim was murdered mark wallace um this is another runaway acquaintance that he found uh sleeping in his shed so I imagine what happened. These are like a, a lot of local runaways. He probably paid them for sex at one point. So they knew where he lived. They knew that he had, you know, would give them, uh, you know, shelter, some food to eat. 
and probably drugs. Um, so he found uh, Wallace uh, sleeping in a shed. He invited him inside, drugged him, and subjected him to the same series of like high voltage electrical shocks. He was stuck hypodermic needles in his back. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Wallace died a few days after the unrelenting torture. His body dismembered and disposed of. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, Walton James Ferris previously, but that, he was the fourth victim. And so this was like a month later. Also an acquaintance of yeah, he's uh, Berdella. Yeah, up now, isn't he? The, the time frame's getting shorter and shorter. So once again, and this, this is the other thing too, how opportunistic uh, Berdella is. He obviously knew a lot of people and knew these people personally because he probably engaged in prostitution and paid for prostitution. So Walter James Ferris just showed up at his house saying like, hey, do you mind if I stay here? And Berdella's like, sure. And so uh, when, he, <laughs> when he arrived at the house, um, he uh, attacked him, like hit him. I knocked him unconscious. He woke up tied to his bed. And for the next uh, week or so, he just tortured him by shocking his genitals with 7,700 volts of electricity for two days, not even a week, for two days until he died from the abuse. Two days. Yeah. Well, you heard, you heard from that list of everything he did. It was unrelenting, wasn't it? I think the only time you would get respite is when he was at work. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, fifth mm. victim, Todd Stoops. Um, Berdella ran to Stoops, a former male prostitute who had stayed with Berdella in the past in a nearby park. He invited him back to his place to, to have some lunch. So once they get back, he uh, cooked him some food, put some drugs in his food, and then kept him trapped in the house for weeks. He attempted to turn Stoops into a submissive sex slave, um, trying to incapacitate him with electrical shocks to his eyes, injecting oh. drain cleaner into his larynx uh, to render him mute, and then repeatedly raping and sexually assaulting him. Now, this, to me, seems more aligned with Dahmer's objectives because wasn't Dahmer trying to create, like, a zombie sex slave? Yeah, he was. Dahmer was kind of like Nielsen. He was killing for company. Whereas I think this is a bit different because Dahmer, yeah, was a gay man and he wanted to have sex, but I think he wanted the company of somebody to love him more, whereas Badella wants... He wants, wants to torture. He sex. Wants, yeah. He wants torture and he wants he wants a shag. He wants a gimp. So, yeah, he's a very much a sadist. Do you think uh, Dahmer knew of Berdella? Because it was around the same time period. Yeah. Um, well, Berdella made some comments, didn't he, where he rang up the Kansas uh, Kansas Star, the Kansas newspaper, and said that he, he didn't believe that Dharma could have killed 17 people. Oh, he's jealous. he's like, hey, <laughs> I know how hard it is to kill these guys. I don't, I don't think Dharma could have been killing 17 of them. I only managed like six. <laughs> like, I, ju I just wonder if they would have been like, you know, pen pals, like buddies. a long swimmingly, just being like, oh, how many cc's of chloroform do you use? Yeah. You know, just like <laughs> yeah. trading tips and uh, techniques. So I found Drano to be the most effective. <laughs> You have 7,700 volts. God, that seems like yeah. a lot to me. I got to try that. <laughs> yeah. um, Stoops eventually died of blood loss after his anal cavity was ruptured by Berdella's fist. And mm. Berdella was kind of a big guy. He was, like, yeah. He had big bear paws. Like that thing, that couldn't feel good. Did you, you know? I don't know if you'll remember this, but you know Michael Barrymore in the UK, who was a telly presenter, he fell himself into a scandal when um, a young man died in his swimming pool who also had died because of anal. 
anal rup- like a rupture anal in his anal rupture. cavity. Yeah, it, a lot of people will remember the Michael Barrymore scandal. What, what happened? How? What, what was he ruptured with? Like what ruptured his anal cavity? He just said that they had vinyl, 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 violent sex. And he oh. ruptured it, and then there was ecstasy involved, and the guy drowned in his swimming pool. But it, it is uh, the rumor is that he fisted him to death. Any relation to Drew Barrymore? Um, no. <laughs> All right. Um, six victim here occurred. It was murder in 1987. Larry Wayne Pearson, uh, 20-year-old uh, kid here. He was an acquaintance of Berdella's that um, he met while working at the shop. Berdella decided to kill Wayne or Larry Wayne after uh, Pearson jokingly referred to his practice of robbing gay men in Wichita. Oh. So, so he made a slight at him, a bitchy comment, and soon it's like, welcome to the jungle, baby. You're Berdella gonna kinda, die. Berdella kind of became a little bit like Dexter. Yeah. Um, so he drugged Pearson, invited him back to his home, gave him a drink, drugged him, and continued his torture practices aimed at incapacitating his victims the binding, the electric shocking, the injecting, the drain cleaner. He also broke one of Pearson's hands with a metal bar. So after six weeks of rape and torture, Pearson finally snapped and he bit deeply into Berdella's penis during an act of force fellatio. Now that kind of amazed me. So this, these people are being just tortured. At this point, you have nothing left to lose. You're going to die. I mean, you've been like injected mm-hmm. and electric shocked and, you know, uh, put caulk in your ears and all this just sub- subjected just a manner of torture. Why would you put your dick in the guy's mouth? It's the I only weapon he has. Him. Yeah, I think he'd been leading him up to that point, though, and it was very much a case of if you bite, I'll kill you. And yeah. Possibly. So I, guy Pe- signed his death warrant. Well, he? Pearson nearly severed Berdella's penis. Uh, requiring oh. the killer to seek medical treatment at a local hospital. Uh, Berdella was informed there that he would, he would have to have surgery. So he said, well, well, can't do it right now. Got to take care of something at home. So he returned home, told the doctor he had to feed his dogs, and he beat and strangled Pearson to death before going back to the hospital for treatment. Mm, for his dick surgery, his dick reattachment surgery. So but during this time... see bite marks and think, hang on. Oh, in the in the guy, I guess I don't know. You'd think that and be like, "There's something a foot here. These are bite marks on your cock." You I think know. The I wonder if been called at that point too, because it's like a violent. Act. I wonder what he did. Do you think he just like taped it back, like duct tape on it to keep it together? <laughs> um. So here, so at this point, 1987, he'd been murdering for a couple of years now. Six victims, and no one went to the police other than Jerry uh, Howell's father. Yeah. So other than Howell, um, no, none of the men were reported missing. Just Howell and Ferris were the only two men that were reported missing. But I mean, if you think about it, these are, you know, runaways. These are mm-hmm. gay prostitutes. Probably no one really cares about them. But the people who did notice that they were missing were the transients, the, the sex workers, and the, and the other people, you know, members of the underground community here. Uh, rumors began swirling around that Berdella, several sex workers who had gone to Berdella's house, told friends that he was a mean trick. Tying them up, injecting them with drugs, inflicting pain through various cruel methods. And one of the uh, sex sex workers claimed that they had seen some of the missing men's belongings in his house. But being afraid of, you know, getting arrested, none of them went to the police. Yeah. So I I think that's, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why he was able to not get caught for so many years. 
So now the seventh victim, that was his last victim. Um, he was unsuccessful at murdering uh, Christopher Bryson. So this is uh, April 2nd, 1988. So this is how he got caught. So that night, a meter reader who was working on the street saw something rather out of the ordinary. A naked man leapt, leapt out of a second-story window, fell onto the, onto the ground below, naked, only wearing a dog collar, bruised and bloody, and he ran to a neighbor's house. Uh, his eyes were red and swollen, and uh, he, could, he could barely even see. Um, this was his last victim, a 22-year-old male prostitute named Christopher Bryson. Neighbors immediately called the Kansas City PD, and when they arrived, Bryson told them a story that they could hardly believe. Yeah. Um, he said he'd been hitchhiking by the Greyhound bus station when a man in a brown Toyota Tercel picked him up and offered to take him to a party. Later, he would uh, confess that he was actually engaging in sex work and a man had picked him up for a date. Uh, Bryson accepted and went with the man to his house at 4315 Charlotte Street. Hell of a party going on. <laughs> he said the man, who called himself Bob, told him to go upstairs away from the dogs. And so he walked, uh, as he was walking up the stairs in front of Bob, and just as he was about to reach the landing, he was hit over the head with a blunt object. Uh, he said when he came to, he was chained up in the basement. Over the next four days, Bob would rape him repeatedly, beat him with a metal pole, electrocute him, inject him with sedatives, and when he screamed, he would inject drain cleaner into his throat. Oh, he also so would... Yeah, he also dabbed something like alcohol and ammonia into his eyes. He told police that Bob had shown him uh, several Polaroid pictures of men who appeared to be dead. And he told Bryson that if he didn't cooperate, he was going to end up in the trash, just like them. Literally. So after the first couple of days, Bryson gained Bob's trust. So he must have just accommodated all of his you know, sadistic mm -hmm. torture methods. So then Bob took the man upstairs and tied him to the bed upstairs. So he got out of the basement, got upstairs to the bedroom. The rape and the torture continued, but in between, Bryson was allowed to watch TV. And he'd get to, he got to have his hands tied in front of him rather than above him. Yes. So, that, so, I mean, he's, he's getting some privileges here, you know. Mm -hmm. On the fourth day, Bryson thought his captor had left the house. He wasn't in the room. He was in the room by himself. He noticed a book of matches on the floor. He used them to burn through his ropes, not knowing for sure if Bob was actually in the house. He thought that the only chance of escaping was out the second story window. So he just ran right through the glass, cut himself, broke a wow. bone in his foot when he landed, um, and then ran to the neighbor's home. Seeing the man's condition, the police obviously believed him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bryson was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. And the police just waited for Berdella to come home from work. So when he arrived and saw the police at his house, Berdella was quite surprised. What are you guys doing here? What's going on? He was immediately arrested, but he refused to let them into his home unless they had a search warrant. And so uh, when police, uh, police ended up uh, getting the search warrant, and when they entered the home, they were greeted by two very angry chows. You know, I bet you he fed some of the the victims, body the parts of the chows. Well, bones, don't I you think? I wouldn't be surprised. You know, chows are, are very, um, they're kind of like um, Akitas. They're, they're very they're vicious. They're very possessive dogs. They only like their owners. They don't like other people. And they're, so the we're we're, they're one of the worst breeds to have around uh, kids. 
You know, um, this is how like Anthony Saul got caught as well. His like victim His jumped out of the second, oh. <laughs> yeah, by the chow, <laughs> by the doggy. No, she jumped out of the second story window uh, when she was naked, ran away from him, and that's how he got caught too. See, that's it why was... you know you gotta admire someone like Ariel Castro who just put boards on the windows. You just board yeah, up all just... your windoards. They're not gonna get board out that up way. Your bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you ain't getting out of here, honey. <laughs> like, so. Uh, the angry chows wouldn't let the police in the house, so they got animal services to take the chows away. I wonder who adopted those. Um, mm. Immediately, they knew that searching this house would be a challenge. I mean, it was stacked floor to ceiling with shit. Boxes, magazines, clothes, random items, dog feces everywhere. Oh, disgusting. Come on, Bob. Take care of you hard. In the second floor bedroom, they found uh, evidence that corroborated uh, Bryson's report a bloodstained bed with burnt ropes on it. Next to the bed was a metal pole, a tray of hypodermic needles, swabs, and eyedroppers. Mm. On the floor nearby was an electrical transformer with clamps on the end of its wires, covered in pubic hair. Oh, Bob. Burnt pubic hair. I'm lying, I'm lying about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that wasn't all they found. Luminol tests showed massive amounts of blood, especially in the basement and the bathtub. And just as Bryson said, there was a cache of more than 350 Polaroids showing young men in various stages of torture and sexual assault. Some of the, uh, the, the men in these, in these photographs were dead. Um, after they analyzed the photographs in a little more detail, uh, they saw that six of the 23 men were homicide victims. So the people in the, these pictures were there, you know, the other people in there were uh, probably just prostitutes, you know, that were, you know, there voluntarily and just engaged in the S&M activities with them. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned that uh, in your book, there's a quote about uh, the Polaroids. Yeah, so this is when he's um, uh, being interviewed um, by the investigative detectives. So they're saying to him, you had, in fact, photographed several of the events that occurred while Jerry Howell was alive in your house, Hall said. That's correct. And your purpose in doing these photographs was what? To keep a record of the events. And why did you want a record of the events, Hall inquired. Initially, I don't know. Did you later after this go back and go through the photographs on occasions, Hall asked? Yes. And what was your reason for going back and going through those photographs? I think we all know what his reason was. Wank book. I was, I was using them for stimulation for masturbation, Verdella said. <laughs> he was yeah, making a wank book. book he was sure. making his own personal wank book using 350 Polaroids. So amongst all the clutter, not only did they find the, uh, the, the uh, photographs, they also found two human skulls, an envelope full of human teeth, and what looked like uh, human vertebrae. Uh, the skulls were analyzed by a forensic anthropologist. One turned out to be a high-quality fake, much like the ones that he sold in his store. Uh, but the other was very real. Turned out, after looking, examining dental records, belonged to Robert Sheldon. Oh. Um, the vertebrae had been cut with a hacksaw and a knife, as though someone had decapitated the victim. Uh, police then found a hacksaw, a chainsaw on the property. The chainsaw had blood, tissue, and human hair on it. So now with all this evidence that these murders had taken place at Berdella's home, they uh, got a warrant to dig up the property. And in the backyard, they found another human skull and uh, various small uh, bone fragments. The skull turned out to be Larry Pearson's. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Most damning of all, on top of a dresser, they found a 58-page journal in Berdella's writing. And in it, he had detailed logs of the torture and killing of each of the victims. Um, So at this point, I think they've figured out, you know, that there's a serial killer in Kansas City. And so they had a task force, you know, trying to identify the men in all the photos. Uh, Some of these men had gone missing since 84. Uh, But however, they only had the remains of these two men. It was going to be hard to charge him with the murders of any of the others. But they went ahead, prosecutors went ahead and charged him with uh, these two murders. So on July 22nd, 1988, Berdella was charged with the murder of Larry Wayne Pearson and Robert Sheldon. Uh, The following month, um, um, he shocked the court by pleading guilty. It turned out his attorney arranged a plea deal where in exchange for his confession, he would not be sentenced to death. So at first he uh, denied all the charges, but I think he realized that he was going to get the death penalty and that's why uh, he uh, ended up engaging in this plea deal. Yeah, he spent six months denying the charges. And he was um, he was doing a jailhouse lawyer thing as well because he was allowed to represent himself. And he apparently was doing a very good job up until <laughs> he realized he could get the death sentence and he bricked it. He was like, nah, that's it. I'll... It's not going to work for me. He very much wanted to stay alive. But now there's a difference, though, between Burdell and Dahmer here because Dahmer ended up just confessing outright. Instantly. As soon as they caught Dahmer, he wanted to help the police. But do you think he was doing that to be like, I'm insane. And that's, obviously I'm insane. And that's, that's, that's why I did this. No, I think that Dahmer has always come across as quite a sorry character. And I think he felt, did feel guilt over what he did. I don't think Berdella felt any guilt over what he did. But I think he was very much like looking from outside of himself if this makes sense, because he wanted to see like how he'd gone through it. And then plus the way he did it by pleading not guilty and going through this kind of mock trial, he got to relive all the events. And yeah. I think that I mean, was another part of probably like, another the pleasure element of for his, him. Yeah, of oh yeah, I think he was chubbed up throughout the whole like trial when he was recounting all the events, because it was day in and day out for like, I think six to eight weeks. They, uh, they had him, he probably got off just looking at the horror of the jury, you know, the horror on yeah. the jury's face. So what about Gacy then? Did Gacy immediately confess? Gacy has weird confessions because he does claim that it was him. He claims it was a character called Jack and that it wasn't him. Gacy and Badella both have like definite God complexes. They both, you know, want to control somebody and keep yeah, them. Dominate and, these people. Yeah. Um, but Bodell is different as well because he didn't have like drug or alcohol problems the way that Dharma and Gacy did. Both of yeah, them Gacy were alcoholics. Was an alcoholic. But did yeah. Gacy get off on like the sexual sadism? Like the yeah, torture? He, or was it more of just he, the murder and the neither domination? Neither of them. Murder and domination, definitely. Neither Dharma nor Gacy tortured. Like well, not to what, this degree. six weeks, not, yeah, not this, to, this, to degree. this degree. And they may have kept, like, they obviously kept the bodies, they kept the trophies, but they weren't, you know, Dharma would take pictures as well, but Dharma's pictures were more to, so he could learn from it. He's Whereas Bod- his, his zombie companion. <laughs> his zombie companion, yeah. So he could be like, next time, you know, I'll do it a bit better. Whereas Bedell is like, yep, I'm putting these in my book. <laughs> yeah, they're going right in the wank yeah, book. There so they go right in the wank book. He confessed to the murders of six men, all between the ages of 18 and 21, beginning in 1984. And each one, 
The details of how he lured them in, the exact methods of torture used, differed. But the overall MO here was the same. Once they were in his house, he would drug them and knock them out, tie them up, and then just over the course of hours or days, repeatedly rape and torture them. You know, uh, some died from the abuse itself, some died from suffocation, from the, uh, the, uh, the gags. Uh, once his victims were dead, he'd do the same thing. He'd hoist them over a spot in the basement of the ba- or the bathtub, slit their veins, drain their blood out, and once that was done, he would then dismember the body and dispose of it in garbage bags. So he was sentenced to two life sentences with no possibility for parole, and he did accept the uh, plea deal so he could avoid the mm-hmm. death penalty. And while he was in prison, he railed against the media for dehumanizing him, making him into a monster, <laughs> as if he's yeah. not a monster. Uh, yeah. they, I mean, they did try to connect him with the whole satanic panic, but I mean, they weren't the able 90s. to. Yeah, but they weren't able mm-hmm. to prove that there was any kind of satanic element to, you know, uh, or purpose to his torture. Um, I mean, he was a sexual sadist. This guy got off on murdering Completely. young boys. Yeah. Um, but he claims that he was just a good person who made a couple mistakes. Just so- about <laughs> six times. I just made six mistakes, you know. Can a guy catch a break? Yeah, come on. Just just come on. Just give a guy a yeah. break. So here's a same Where interview here. Um, not long after your adra- uh, arrest, pardon me, the local radio stations, two of them at least, were running a Bob Berdella parody song and were asking people to come to parties wearing dog collars. Fake news. Well, the newspaper article reported that even the families of the victims were upset by the- You know, that, you got to say, that's, 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 that's pushing it, you know? That's, mm-hmm. to, to do a local competition you know, or a local radio contest where it's like, show up wearing a dog collar, just like the victims of this, you know, homicidal gay slayer. And we'll give you, you know, some tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers. It's like, come on. Yeah, if you he'd know, have been killing white women, that would not have happened. I don't think, yeah. If, like, no, Ted Bundy, if, if it was Ted Bundy them, yeah. and torturing and shitting on, uh, on white women, I don't think they'd, they would be having this kind of competition. No, they would not. The song. I have never had a chance to hear the I song. Had also been told oh yeah, there's a there's a song at the same radio station that the DJ there made a song to the tune of Donovan's Mellow Yellow. You know, they call me Quite Mellow Yellow, rightly. but they call yeah. me Bob Berdella. <laughs> Quite, Quite right. rightly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like I to was, kill a fella. <laughs> I was looking all over for the song and I couldn't find it. I'm sure it was a hit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, Bob wasn't happy about that. And even in this interview, he kind of frowns when the guy mentions the song. First came into jail that the Fox radio station had run a promo giving prizes to their listeners if they showed up at the station in a dog collar and with a leash on. Dog collar and a leash. The people here in the institution, the correctional officers, the caseworker, even the psychiatrist, or I think surprised to find out that that upset me <laughs> it upset you some sour grapes there the guy who <laughs> just tortured electrocuted injected drano into people's throats he's upset, he's upset. by this radio oh. show uh contest here Boo-hoo-hoo. yeah i feel really bad for you there bob Berdella. um so anyway from behind bars he arranged to sell his massive hoard 
of, of stuff in a series of auctions. Um, the appraiser in charge of it called it like a mind-boggling accumulation of like 2,000 rare antiques, regular household goods, and just a, a, like an assortment of just junk. That's so what they're going to say when I die and they have to empty out my house. <laughs> it's going to be like, an <laughs> antiques and junk, over 2,000 items. <laughs> just antiques, a bunch of Elvis crap. Yeah. Um, Hey, take that back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bulk of the estate, including his house on Charlotte Street, was purchased by a uh, flamboyant former bank robber and millionaire industrialist named Dell Dunmire, who had wow. it demolished. Good um, for him. Now, this is kind of funny. This is actually recent news. So in January, just this uh, last year, in January 2020, a relative of one of the victims contacted the Kansas City News and discussed... Uh, when she stumbled across a website selling authentic crime scene items from mm-hmm. uh, Bob Berdella. Everything from like a hacksaw to fireplace ashes with the original evidence bag is available. And so the family was uh, disgusted, repulsed by it. And they questioned how like this crime scene evidence could even be put up for sale. Like how they even, how the, you know, the auction house, did, uh, the auction yeah. website even obtain it. Um, the highest price item is the Polaroid camera, uh, along with two pictures of an unidentified male straight from the wank book, $15,000. See, if I had crazy money, that's the type of, like, if I had a rich daddy, that's totally the type of shit. You would, would buy that. Buying. You would want it? I would buy that. Totally. Completely. I would keep that. I have some serial killer stuff as it is in my house, so it wouldn't be, like, uncalled for for me to have that. I, I, what else do you have? I have a letter from uh, one of the Manson girls where she addresses me by name. She writes a little screed at the bottom from season oh, you wrote to her like in prison? I had a Richard Marrera's letter at one point. I wrote to him in prison, but I sold that because it wasn't a very good letter and it, it had a funny smell to it. <laughs> well, he probably, probably just came all over it, wrapped it I up used, and sent it to you. I catfished Dennis Nielsen to write to me. And I sold that letter too. I used my younger brother because I'd read that <laughs> if you wanted if you wanted Dennis Nielsen to write back to you, you had to pretend to be a cute boy. Yeah, I think he found so girls disgusting. He did he because I tried to write to him as a woman and he never wrote back. So I I changed all my details and used my brother and he used a picture of my brother and he wrote back. And he was asking me for more what did pictures. What he say? Oh, he wanted more pics. He wanted more pictures. He was, and he specifically was like, "Oh yeah, if you could take like your top off and show me what you look like without <laughs> your top on." And I sold that letter. Where's some spandex? How much you get I for it? I felt guilty. I, it was about three hundred quid. This what? is like going back about yeah, ten years ago, more than Jesus, that now. It's like God, a college industry there. Twenty years. Yeah. So Man. you know, I have serial killer items in my house. I would love to own Bob Barella's polaroid camera that he covered in jizz it's only going to increase in value it's an investment it will it is an investment for the future the website uh supernaut uh, did not respond mm-hmm. to questions about the auction but credits an eccentric millionaire for the items all of bob Berdella items offered there were obtained directly from the estate of del dunmire nice yeah he bought the home yeah you can also darkmemorabilia.com is also selling Bob Badella stuff if you go on dark memorabilia. Like photos, like some of the Polaroids? 
Um, they had like some evidence bags. This is very recently. Uh, I can't remember what else they had, but I did see like the evidence bag and there was some other things. I was having a little look, wishing well, I was rich. So the relatives were questioning how the evidence ever left the Kansas City Police Department's possession in the first place. Of course. Um, they said there's a civil process that can take place that requires a release of old evidence in an old case that's been adjudicated and completed. And so that's probably what happened. They just probably released mm -hmm. the evidence and someone bought it. They probably auction it. They will to make money for the the state. Like they're aware of the items for sale, but they're just as disturbed as the family. You know, the police department certainly does not support or condone murderabilia. Um, they're not I surprised do. that it's that it's showing up because there's lots of ghouls like uh, my co-host here. But um, you know, they wouldn't want to see it if you know it was a, the victim was one of their family members. Uh, the website also sells items connected to like Dennis Rader. BTK. Mm -hmm. uh, his letters are available and the prison clothing that he used to wear. Really? That's pretty odd too. I, I don't want I don't want his dirty prison wear. You know what the one of my holy grail murderbilly things I've always wanted to own is a serial killer called Glenn Rogers. And he is the most amazing artist. I keep I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I need to write to Glenn Rogers because he'll just like draw you out a picture. You should Google Glenn Rogers like serial killer art. He's amazing. He is like a genuinely a good artist. No, he draws like he draws like death and birds and like very colorful. Like, They're amazing. Wait, birds being murdered? Birds, not no. You know the type that fly, mate. Not birds. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like yeah. birds. No. Uh, so in the fall of 1992, Bradella wrote to a minister who who he'd become friends with, complaining that the prison officials weren't giving him his heart medication. He's such a bitch, this guy. My pills. You know, I need my pills. Bitching about the media, live. bitching about yeah. the police. Um, He's a whiny man. Yeah. On October 8th, 1992, he died of a heart attack while incarcerated at the Missouri State Penitentiary. Um, on a, uh, or at the age of uh, 43. So they weren't giving him his pills? <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently not. Uh, he had served less than four years of his sentence. That's it. Mm. Similar age to his dad as well. Was his dad like 39, did you say, when he died? Yeah. Of, of a heart problem. And now he's dying similar age. Well, you know it's what? genetic. He's good riddance. At least he died in jail. You know, I'm surprised he even made it through four years. Like, how long, how long did Dahmer last? Like, a month? Dharma <laughs> lasted a little longer than a month. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. I imagine um, Bob Bordella would have been a, like. You'd a, think he'd be a target. He would be a target. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anyway. So there you go. That's the story of Robert Bordella. Is he worse than Dahmer? I'm not sure. He's different. I think he's different, but it, well, let's ask this question Who would you rather run into on a rainy night in a dark alley? Gacy, Dharma, or Badella? That's a good question. Like, whose basement would you want to wake, awaken being chained up to a bed in? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Gacy, because Gacy, Gacy will rape you and fucking kill you really fast, but that's it, you're done for. Dharma's going to try and keep you as a zombie, yeah, he's... and Badella's going <laughs> to keep you alive as long as possible, and he's going to fuck you with fucking vegetables. Like... All right, fuck, Mary, kill. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. Right. Um, Mary Dharma, because he was a soft, sensitive soul. Um, fuck Badella. Kill Gacy, because Gacy was ugly. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, on that note, people, this is episode 774 here, Sick and Wrong. Uh, we have some news stories coming up next. We have phone calls a little bit later in the show. But first, here's a Patreon promo that was sent in by the Atheist Preacher, who's now a truck driver. But uh, he recorded this, uh, I got to say, a, a very impressive Patreon promo. Brothers and sisters, this is the Atheist Preacher. And I'm here today to tell you about the Sick and Wrong Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. As we all know, money is the root of all evil. So what better way to cleanse your soul than by kicking some into the plate for the Sick and Wrong Patreon? Not only do you get to enjoy all the original sins, like extra news stories, phone calls, and outtakes, you also get to feel self-righteous knowing you've helped this Jew and this Jezebel on their path to hell. Hallelujah. So the first news story here, uh, several people sent this in, but the first person to send it in was Burger. Sent it to me on uh, Facebook. Good old Burger. Hello, Burger. Good egg, that guy. Great egg. Uh, Magic mushrooms grow in a man's blood after he injected mushroom tea directly into his veins. But why, though? What? What? (laughs) I'm like, mushrooms can grow in your blood? Yeah, no, this is, this is, uh, well, I mean, it's definitely unprecedented. So a man brewed tea from magic yeah. mushrooms, as one does, I've, I've psilocybin this, tea, yes. and he decided mm-hmm. to inject the concoction into his veins, and several days later, he ended up at the emergency department with fungus growing in his blood. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm aghast at this. Like, how... Was he like, oh, here's where I injected it, and then they like what sliced it open, and some little like magic mushrooms popped out. Well, I think it's it started affecting him physically. So, did it give him like septicemia? No, but I mean, it it the fungus. Well, I'll get to it in a second. But the thing that I was wondering, well, first of all, why why do you need to shoot psilocybin? I mean, there's so many yeah. different ways to you know to take that drug. I mean, you can mm. you can eat it you can put it in tea um you know people do that the you know the capsules you know the different yeah. doses you don't need to shoot it you know i was thinking do you think anyone's ever shot liquid lsd oh of course they will have yeah definitely people have shot lsd that's definitely happened i mean because people put it in their eyes yeah you know, they... i mean there's no different there will be tales of people shooting lsd i kind of i draw the line at injecting drugs like i just think it's such a faff i just don't have like the patience for it to be like injecting drugs same with me like i've never shot a drug i've done heroin many times i used to do heroin a lot in the 90s but never shot it you know i'd snort it smoke it um but and and that's the other thing too because people always like well you're covered in tattoos but it doesn't matter hypodermic needles scared the shit out of me. Like whenever yeah, I go get they? blood, they're just like, oh, you're not yeah. going to care. And it's like, no, I do care. Like it fucking sucks. And I get freaked well, out I'm, about it. I'm a trained phlebotomist. So I very easily could be like shooting myself uh, all the live long day. I could shoot up like rooms of people and it would like not phase me. But I've just always been like, if I'm getting to this point where I have to take drugs in such a manner, like I just can't be asked. I just can't be fucking asked, mate. I'm like, too scared of needles. How come uh, yeah. they don't have, like, the NHS doesn't have 
a trained phlebotomist administering the vaccine. That's who will be administering. Yeah, how come you're not doing vaccine? it? Why would they be like, hey, we need some trained oh, phlebotomists? My, oh, because my license ran out and I would have to pay to like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be fucking around with that right now. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have the patience to be like a good nurse. That's why I never went into that. But phlebotomist, you can kind of be a bit cheeky. It's almost like an assembly line, just like, you know, jab, 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 jab next. Jab. Yeah, it is. It's like a, it's kind of boring when you get into it. But yeah. I don't know. I can't. I freak out when I give blood. Like I get, I yeah. kind of become pale. I get nauseous. They have to give Aww. me a cookie. You like a little baby kitten. I, you? you know, I don't know. Like I can get tattooed for like four hours straight, fine. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah. the it's the hypodermic needle. That freaks very me strange. out. Very yeah. strange. Very strange. So this no, guy no. injects the psilocybin, ends up going to the hospital. He spent 22 days in the hospital. Eight Jesus. of those days in the ICU, in the intensive care unit, where you receive treatment for multi-system organ failure. Oh, he's got septicemia. Because septicemia comes on fast, and it will kill you. If you go from septis to septicemia, you're talking, you're walking a line with death. Well, he's still being treated after, even after the release with a long-term regimen of antibiotic and antifungal drugs. Oh my! I cannot believe that mushrooms. I can't believe you would. Your you blood would, like that. I can't believe you would shoot it. Like, well, like, well, what is yeah, the thought process with that? Tea, just being like, mm. do you know what? Whenever I've had the mushroom tea, it's always made me really super sick. It really upsets my stomach. Mushroom yeah. tea in particular. Mushrooms I don't in know general. What it is. I mean, the like, case. Yeah, they can. I can. I'm often very sick when I take mushrooms, but like you'll find that after you've been sick, you're suddenly really high and you kind of forget about it. Well, the case here didn't reveal whether injecting the mushroom tea caused persistent psychoactive effects, you know, as sometimes seen when people ingest the, uh, the fungus orally. Yeah. Um, but I can say for one thing, psilocybin causes me persistent upset bowel effects. Mm -hmm. Every time I do fucking mushrooms, I'm on yeah, the shitter. Yeah, me the same. And there's and nothing have, like, worse. There's nothing so. worse than hallucinating on the shitter. I don't know if you've had to do that, but it <laughs> fucking sucks. I'm. I usually vomit it up. Like you know, it'll be in my system, and then as I start to get high, I usually like just just have like a wobbly stomach, and I vomit it up, and then I'm just high. I've I've rooster tailed like two or three times on mushrooms. Rooster tailed? I've never heard oh. that expression. Oh God, it sucks. Both ends just like, bah. and then you oh know you're gosh. sitting there like tripping your balls off. It's it's a horrible experience. Uh, I'm not a big fan of mushrooms. Acid, I'm totally fine on though. Um, acid doesn't. Yeah, I don't have the same effect on acid. So in rare cases, people can develop a condition called hallucinogen induced pers persisting perception disorder. So it's kind of a tough. Tongue twister there. HPPD. Um, Hallucinogen-induced persisting perception disorder. Sure. Basically just getting yeah. flashbacks. And you experience vivid flashbacks of your trip long after uh, you know the incident. Now, mm -hmm. I've never heard of flashbacks occurring on mushrooms. Never heard of it. I've no, never had can, it. You can remember stories and shit, but yeah, I've never had that. But have you had, um, I occasionally, you know, maybe twice a year, I'll be like, you know, my, I'll move my hands a certain way and I get the finger trails that you get when you're really high on ecstasy. And I'm always like, ooh, <laughs> I'm like, here it is again. Tripping. Now, I've had yeah. acid flashbacks. It's been a while. I haven't had an acid flashback in years. But when I was doing, when I was younger, we would do acid all, like in Michigan, we did acid all the time, mm. probably like three or four times a week. And so 
at that at that point, if I stopped doing it, I would have flashbacks. I would have just yeah. like kind of yeah, like a perception issues that would just mm-hmm. kind of happen. They're kind of fun too, you they know. Are but fun. yeah, it was kind of like, whoa, am I tripping? Or sometimes you just feel like you're tripping. But mm-hmm. I haven't had that in years. Never had it from uh, mushrooms, just diarrhea. So, <laughs> yeah, flashbacks about that. It fucking sucked. By injecting mushrooms directly into his bloodstream, the 30-year-old man had hoped to relieve symptoms of bipolar disorder and opioid right. dependence. Oh, right. So he's not coming into this with like, a, I'm going to see how high I can get. He's coming into this as in, I'm coming down off fucking heroin, heroin yeah. and I want to feel better instantly. And right, he's bipolar, guy, so he's probably manic when he did it. Yeah, this guy is a, by no means a, um, an Einstein, is he? Well, so his family members noted that he had recently stopped adhering to his prescribed bipolar medications, mm-hmm. and he was cycling between depressive and hypermanic states. Okay, so, yeah. Could you imagine? This guy must still live at home. I mean, if his family's able to observe well, yeah, his behavior his family, like that. Yeah, all very close by. God, he must be a joy to be around. Sponges <laughs> off his parents and then just like boots psilocybin up in the in his childhood bedroom. <laughs> now has septicemia. Yeah. <laughs> so he had read, I guess, that uh, about the potential therapeutic effects of hallucinogens such as LSD and psilocybin um, for uh, for depression. And so he decided to boil down these mushrooms into a mushroom tea. He then filtered the tea by drawing it through a cotton swab before injecting it into his body. So, I mean, there's obviously like residue and pieces in it. So he filtered all that out and then injected mm-hmm. just the liquid right into his veins. A few days later, he became quite lethargic and nauseated. And then his skin began to be turn yellow. So he became oh, jaundice. Yeah. yeah. He then developed diarrhea, of course, and began vomiting <laughs> blood. Now, I've never had that happen. <laughs> I probably wouldn't do mushrooms nope. again if I was vomiting <laughs> yeah. blood. Yeah. But uh, see, mushrooms do give people diarrhea, not just me. But the yellow skin and the blood vomiting, that would have freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, that's a step too far, isn't it? Yeah, I would have been like, uh, <laughs> you know, this made me think of, um, God, I was in freshman year of college, I think. And my roommate had a cabin. My friend Dreyer, who, who listens to this show, he'd probably remember this. Um, he had a cabin that was like two hours north of Bay City, Michigan. So it was like way up in, in not quite like the Upper Peninsula, but it was pretty far north of Michigan. It was just this cabin in the middle of the woods where they killed deer. And so uh, we all we went up there. It was me, my roommate, um, Chuck, who owned the cab, whose family owned the cabin, and my other roommate, Spong, this like weird ginger guy. He was so weird looking. He like almost looked like a ghost. He was like completely pale with just like this g- long ginger hair and a ponytail. Yeah, that type of ginger. I, I yeah. Yeah, like orange. His hair was almost orange. They are common amongst these parts, David. Yeah, I'm sure he's descended from uh, from that area. Anyway, yeah. we go up there, and my friend Dreyer shows up, and he's got like just I don't know, like two strips of acid. And so we all take a, you know, I think I, I just like did two hits and then I was yeah, like, oh, fuck this, let's do two more. And so we were on like at least four hits of acid, just tripping our balls off. And Chuck's girlfriend started flipping out. And so we're like, all right, let's leave the cabin, just kind of go for a walk in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, Spong, who wasn't saying anything and kind of looked even more pale than he already looked, which is just like very <laughs> creepy. Um, Spong didn't say anything. He just went like, oh. 
we turned around and he just shot out like this orange barf, just like a rainbow, like an arc of orange barf. And he barfed for like 10 minutes and me and Dreyer just, we were laughing so hard. It was like, I felt so bad because in between laughing, I was like, are you okay? And then he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And just like, just shooting out this orange barf. Was it I mean, orange soda? Was it orange soda? I, know what, I have no idea what the fuck it was. Is it just because he's got ginger, so he's got ginger bar? Well, that's what we were thinking. I was like, God, mm. the barf looks just like his hair. Yeah. Like, just a ginger <laughs> barf, yeah. No, he was, it was definitely, he was fine after that, though. It was really weird. It was like a 10-minute, you know, vomit. Yeah, vom. That's like t- me on mushrooms. You just have a vomit fest, and then, then you're yeah, fine. Yeah, it was like a 10-minute, like, vomit fest, and then, uh, and then he was fine. You know? Yeah, had yeah. fun times. Yeah, and a yeah. good time, and then we just you know walked around. I think we shot. That's guns. my favorite thing to do on acid <laughs> is to walk in the woods. I just yeah. love it. Love yeah, that being was outside we were stupid acid. back then. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, this guy ends up shooting the uh, the the psilocybin directly into his veins. His family found him. They took him immediately to the emergency room because he was yellow, vomiting blood, and having diarrhea. Um. They noted in the uh, the emergency room they seemed very confused, very disorientated. Uh-huh. Um, the doctors also said that he was unable to participate in a meaningful interview due to his altered mental state. Mm-hmm. I wish there was audio of this meaningful interview. <laughs> That'd be great. They're just it'd asking like all those, these questions. Yeah, it'd be like those videos of when the kids are coming around off wisdom teeth surgery, wouldn't it? <laughs> just a load of nonsense. Well, like, what were they asking him? Like, can you hum the theme from Indiana Jones? Or Superman or... Uh, or Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, do it now in a row. <laughs> so multiple organs here, including his liver and his kidneys, began to fail. And so he was immediately transferred into the ICU. His blood tested positive for a bacterial infection, septicemia, uh, with the microbe, the microbe brevibacillus and a fungal infection from the psilocybin, meaning that the magic mushroom he injected was now growing in his <gasps> blood what a way to die like so, imagine if he hadn't gone to hospital and this is the way he died he's kind of like swamp thing but with mushrooms you make my heart sing <laughs> yeah no you know the you know the uh, the comic book character swamp thing yeah i was just singing the theme tune at you Swamp thing. That's not you the make my heart sing. Yes, it is. That's that That's is the not the theme song. That, yes, it is. We're gonna listen to this afterwards. That's the theme. I'm looking song. this up swamp. right now. The swamp yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like to the '80s. It's like the cartoon Swamp Thing. You make my heart sing. It is. All right, here it is. Swamp Thing opening theme. You're gonna play the old timey one. I'm talking about the the cartoon. I guess I I did not see this. Yeah, you can suck my dick, designer. You are amazing. You are amazing. Did you watch this? Yeah, that's how I knew it. I saw the old 80s TV show. I can't believe they got the license for this song. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love Swamp Thing when I was a kid. I used to always do that. Wow. Swamp 
Okay. I stand corrected. You <laughs> are amazing. Well, but so Swamp Thing, when he became like part of the swamp, you could like mm-hmm. bite off a chunk of swamp's, Swamp Thing's arm and you'd start tripping balls. Like oh, I can't remember that. Yeah, no, and I used to read the comic, and then uh, and yeah. then also they rebooted the series for just one season. It got canceled, but they, yeah, he mm-hmm. would just like take a chunk of his arm, just shove it in your mouth, and you'd be tripping balls. But anyway, Ito. this guy is kind of like Mushroom Thing. I mean, you take a bite off of him, you just start tripping for mushrooms. I, I wonder if, if he would just kind of look like you know, just like a fucking mushroom, but just smelled like cow shit all the time. Yeah, do you think you know. the doctors are like, mushroom thing, you've got septicemia, mate, you've got septicemia, you're going to die. He's like, you yeah, know I'm turning into the mushroom man. The mushroom man. I love, do you know what, a lot of mushrooms are a, um, a polarizing vegetable. I personally love mushrooms and oh, I, yeah, yeah, I like love mushrooms. all, yeah, but loads of people don't like mushrooms. Yeah, Big Jar hates mushrooms. I love mushrooms though. And plus yeah. mushrooms, there's also so many different kinds. There's millions of different kinds. I like the big meaty mushrooms that you can like. Like the portobellos. Oh yeah. Yeah. So people, that was one thing with being a vegetarian, you know, before they have like all these impossible burgers and beyond meat is the portobello mushroom burger. If cooked properly, that's, that's a good burger. It's a good, I mean, it's, it's it's, and it's not like the fake meat. I'm not a big fan of the fake meat. I don't like the fake red meats. I think they're all like, I don't know, but like, you know, corn chicken is amazing. I've been eating corn chicken yeah, for like I mean, 20 years. It's hard It's hard not like to avoid that. I mean, you kind of have to just mm. because it's just like, you know, it's there, it's protein, it's easy to eat. But personally, I'm not a big fan of like the impossible beef and the Beyond Meat and just like this chemically created meat. Whereas the portobello yeah. mushroom burgers are good. Um, anyway. I would so th- smash that right now. So this guy, uh, he, he got a series, he was administered a series of antibiotic and antifungal drugs um, he was placed on a ventilator after Jesus. he went into respiratory failure, um, but he survived. He survived the ordeal and 22 days later was discharged from the hospital, but he's still the mushroom man. So I don't know if he's going to become like we an anti-hero. Find this man. Yeah. And try and get a quote from him about why he thought this would be a good idea. But I genuinely did not know that mushrooms can grow in your blood. That's disturbing. Well, I also wouldn't inject fucking mushrooms into my blood. I would would never inject mushrooms into my blood, but I just would have thought, oh God. So psilocybin, well, it's a fungus. I mean, it makes sense. You you can get fungus in your trapped in your lungs. You can get fungus that can be transferred to your your, uh, bloodstreams. That's a good point. So psilocybin may be a promising treatment for depression, anxiety, and substance abuse, but only if taken safely. And so that's, that's kind of what's happening now. Um, you know, scientists have been administering the drug in pill form. And in a few instances, doctors have delivered psilocybin via an intravenous injection. Oh, but it'll be all clean and above board, governor, won't it? Well, given in a tightly controlled dose and under medical supervision, and they mm. make sure it doesn't contain any fungi. You know, right. that's the thing. The compound psilocybin alone is not alive and it cannot grow in the body. It's just when it has, you know, the mm-hmm. fungus in it. Uh, psilocybin cubensis, that's, that's the fungus part. Um, so when used recreationally, mushrooms are typically made into tea, and raw, dried, ground into a powder. I wonder if people have ever snorted it. Yeah, I've definitely seen people snort. But you think you could get that powder. in your bloodstream as well? Well, no, because it's kind of like if you eat it, isn't it? That's going into your bloodstream. It's the exact same snorting it and eating it. 
You think anyone's ever done a booty bump? Just right up the asshole? Do you want to ring up your brother right now? Because <laughs> if anyone's going to know, it's going to be Jeffrey. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it does play a role in mood and perception. And uh, there have been studies that can actually be, you know, uh, used to treat depression. But a bad mm. trip can trigger anxiety, fear and confusion, as well as vomiting, headaches and stomach problems. Oh, see, I get the vomiting, you get the stomach problems. But they're like, you know, I would rather have the vomiting and the stomach problems than the other things. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Several U.S. cities recently have decriminalized psilocybin. Oakland, or Portland, Oregon. They moved to, Oregon's moved to legalize it as a therapeutic drug. Okay. So, but in most U.S. cities, it's still classified as a Schedule One substance. Uh, meaning that it has no me accepted medical use and uh, high potential for abuse, which is odd because I've never met a mushroom addict. Neither have I. What's it in California? Is it not legal in California? Well, only in Oakland, not in LA. Oh, right, right. Oh, but you okay, can buy well. it. You can buy it on, you know, at the, at the, mm. uh, the weed shop. Well, that's there. weird. That's weird then that you can buy it, but yeah, it's not legal. Got a mushroom. Could you imagine a, someone addicted to mushrooms? It'd be like the most <laughs> annoying person in the world. I'd rather hang out with a tweaker. At least they'd like yeah. clean your house or something. Oh, Not they would make you a beautiful collage. Yeah, yeah, like they would do something. They wouldn't just repeatedly request that you put on like the Beatles' White Album. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so annoyed. Anyway, I hope this guy does turn into like the mushroom thing. And then every time he walks in the room, that song starts playing. Yeah. Mushroom man. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. Yeah, that'd be great. You nearly died of septicemia. <laughs> you are a fun guy. Yeah, you'd be a cool guy. Yeah. I don't think this guy's a cool guy. You didn't get my joke, David. He's a fun guy. Oh, fun guy. guy. God, that works on so many levels. Yeah. You always <laughs> miss my really good, well thought out jokes. Anyway, what do you have here for the second uh, story? So the second story was sent in by the lovely FM who must have seen this headline and just thought, I know another witch who is going to enjoy this story. So thank you very much, FM. A mob locks an 80-year-old woman inside a house and sets it alight after accusing her of witchcraft. Ooh. Yeah. Where did this happen? I am about to tell you where this happened. You're going to think that I'm not going to be able to say where this is because I know what you're like, but I have actually researched where this is and how to say it. So I'm going to go for it. An 80-year-old woman was hacked with a hoe and locked inside her house, which was then set alight by a mob that had accused her of being a witch. Wait, was this she a hoe? Or was she she was a hoe. She was hacked with a oh, hoe. Oh, hacked with a hoe. Okay, I thought hacked you meant hacked a by a hoe. Like a hoe is just like, wow. Well, yeah. Maybe there was some hoes hacking her with a hoe. Hoes are quite, a hoes ho are blunt. I'm not a gardener, so I, I don't know. Hoes are like, hoes are for hacking, but they're blunt, are they not? Um, you Would know, it not be sure. very painful I've seen, I've seen a couple of hoes hacking outside. Hey. <laughs> the Hacked incident. disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> happened around 11 p.m. on Saturday in Mpumalanga, in a village called Mbuzi. Take that which is on the border of South Africa and Mozambique. Oh, all right, yeah, you, you, you pronounced it, yeah. From your childhood? Umbezi. Um, Umbezi. Umbezi, yeah. Umbezi. I've never heard the other one, though, that other town, Umpa Loompa. <laughs> Umpumalunga, Umpumalanga. Oh. <laughs> Umpumalanga. 
the old woman burnt to death. Um, Mbuzi is notorious for accusing people of witchcraft and then banishing suspected witches from the village. Whenever you see these witchcraft stories pop up, my first thought is usually Africa. And then after yeah. that, Asia. They, they seem to enjoy it a bit in Asia. You see it in South America every now and then too. But yeah, we, when, Ooh, yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like when choosing stories and selecting a story to do on the show, typically when it comes from Russia... And it's like a cannibalistic murder or something, or a yeah, a, or a witchcraft story coming from Africa. I usually tend to avoid it just because it's like that happens all the time there, and it's like, eh. Yeah. You know. But I thought this is a fun one, and we've not had a witchcraft story in a while. Like, we're gonna roll with it. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we did a witchcraft story from Africa. Yeah, it's been so a while. Well, yeah, when's the last time you've done an Africa story? It's so. been a while, yeah. Allegations from the community is that the woman was caught sprinkling something in someone's yard on a Saturday night. That to me sounds like a good end to a Saturday night when you're sprinkling something. <laughs> you're sprinkling. I'm sure that happens We've, all the time um, in the north of England. We have all been there, love. Definitely. <laughs> There's been many a graveyard that I have sprinkled in. After being caught, word quickly spread that a witch had been caught. Those who allegedly caught her took her back to her house where she was hacked with a hoe. She was then locked inside and her house was set alight. So she's like, she's 80. God, what a way harsh. to go. Does she it's look bad. like a witch? Does she have a broom? Does she have a pointy hat? I, yeah, I imagine at the age of 80, everyone looks like a witch at the age of 80, don't they? But I mean, in Africa, they're very superstitious. Mm. Like you've heard oh, about yeah. their uh, mistreatment towards albinos. Like they think like albino oh, blood will, yeah. like, is like Viagra for them or something. Mm. So they kill so all they... the albinos, drink their blood. Yeah, no, I mean, they're very superstitious. They are, especially witches. But, like, you can get good witches. They need to see the Wizard of Oz to understand that you can get good and bad witches. Well, no, actually, they need to see the Wiz. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, the Wiz. Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't it Um, and the Wizard of Oz 2? Have you ever seen that? I've only seen it once. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Wizard again. of Oz 2 is a weird movie. Is mental. It's crazy a, that movie. That is a weird movie. I forgot about that. Yeah, I need to see it again. I've only seen it once, but it is like I've fought about it. Yeah, it's a really weird it. story. I'm actually going to look that up. Yeah. So after her death, the community allegedly said that they didn't want her buried in the village. So she's a witch. We've killed her. We don't want her in this village. Get, get her out of here. So, and according to the police spokesperson, Brigadier Leonard Halafi, Halafi, we'll go with Halafi. While there was no proof of any wrongdoing on the old woman's side, those who believed she, that they saw her committing a crime, they should have called the police. What was they she sprinkling? Like, was she just pissing in someone's yard? No, I think she was like sprinkling something. Maybe, oh, you know, she was like, powder. oh, the, f the flowers in my neighbor's yard aren't growing like they used to. I will put some fertilizer down. It could have been know. as innocent as that, but she was definitely sprinkling. The corpse, the, like the corpse powder of young babies. Bridget, Brigadier Leonard said that police have arrested three women and one man aged 22 and 40. He said that among those arrested are 44-year-old twins whose house it was believed that the old woman was allegedly caught sprinkling at. So this is all getting weird now, isn't it? There's Wait. twins involved, there's sprinkling, there's an old eight-year-old witch. Did they arrest... The, this so uh, the twins for murdering this old woman or also being in like complicit in the witchcraft no she went to the twins house to sprinkle so to why sprinkle are the twins something. being arrested then did you just say the twins were arrested 
Yeah, you see oh, yeah. a couple of people yeah, were arrested. I imagine that they were probably like, they saw her sprinkling and then they're like, witch! And then they maybe picked up the hoe and started hacking her. God, this is like Salem, Massachusetts. It is. But, but in like the 1800s. It's not as <laughs> not literary. Now. Yeah. No. The old woman stayed alone. Uh, she lived alone. Her husband is dead. And her children stay in other parts of Umpumalanga. That's the only way I can remember how to say it because I listened to a voice thing. And he did it very sing-songy. And I was like, that's how I'm going to have to remember it. It's Umpumalanga. Umpumalanga. I'm just thinking, I just can't get rid of the Oompa Loompas. I'm just picturing that. I know. Like these midgets with green hair, singing songs. Killing witches. Which, like, to be fair, Oompa Loompas are murderous little bastards. They are. Look what they do to kids. Have you heard all the -the behind-the-scenes stories about what the Oompa Loompas got up to? You're thinking the Wizard of Oz. The oh the oh yeah no the umpalumpa oh yeah the wizard of oz sorry yeah what are the little people in the wizard of oz called the munchkins the munchkins yeah they would have orgies and stuff oh i'm well aware of that yeah and they got caught in butterfly nets (laughs) dog catcher nets yeah no i'm I'm well aware of that yeah sorry i'm sure the umpalumpas were also you know having uh, orgies on the side. I think they, they seem more nefarious than the munchkins because they're orange, they're orange faces, the green hair. Mm. Who do you think is more likely to murder you? The munchkins or the umpalumpas? Umpalumpas, they're murderous little bastards. They did they murder all those children. They do, but there's something something scary about the munchkins. I think it's just because they're dwarves and you don't like little people. <laughs> just admit it. On the level that you love little people. Well, who does you want the whole world to be little people. I just want to see them on film. That's it. All right. <laughs> In your wank bag. You know, speaking of films, I'm looking at here at the uh, the Return to Oz, which came out in 1985. That's it, Return to Oz. Dorothy yeah. was saved from a psychiatric experiment by a mysterious girl. Is somehow called back to Oz when a vain witch and the gnome king, like N O M E king, destroy everything that that makes the magical land beautiful. And you know who's in it? For, it's uh, the girl from The Craft. Feruza Balk. Yeah. Yeah. Feruza Balk, actually, just to kind of keep keep with the witch theme. On, I don't know if it's still there because of COVID, but on uh, Coenga, right over in Hollywood, there's a witch store. And Feruza Balk used to own the store. No, she sold it now, but it's it's Aww. a witch store. Like, you go in there, you could buy, like, you know, little, like, uh, spell things, like a little, um, you could buy, like... Witchy stuff. Well, you could buy Stones. all sorts of witchy stuff. You can, um, you can buy the wands. Mm. You can buy the witch hats. You could buy all the, a whole manner of, like, herbs and, and twigs and bones and things to do your spells. Uh, but Fruza Balky sewn it. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you happened know, to her. Keeping in brand. She's still going. She's still sexy. Hmm. She, she was, like, yeah. unique looking. She is very unique looking, but she she's got a sexiness behind. Oh, like yeah. you could look like the girl next door and not be sexy, but she's you know weird looking and sexy, which is kind of like a holy grail if you're going to be weird looking. <laughs> um, according to a progress report on the case, other suspects are still outstanding on the investigation, and arrests are imminent. They're going to catch this. Umpumbalanga Police Commissioner Lieutenant General Mondizuma said it was disheartening that the elderly community often suffered such accusations from set over sections of society. Zuma has warned people to refrain from their actions and directed police to work tirelessly to ensure that the arrested face the full might of the law. What do you think the full might of the Umpumalanga um, law will be? 
Hmm, I don't know. I'm thinking gulag. Gulag? Or gulag like, in the African savannah. Yeah, just like ousted out, told to walk 100 miles from the village. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, you're like you're exiled. You get eaten by like a lion or something. What a way to go. Yeah, horrible death. I don't know. I wonder if they, I mean, they probably, obviously probably put you in prison or something. Cut mm-hmm. a finger I, off. I'm not sure. I would rather meet a lion than meet Bob Berdella. Than meet Bob yeah. Take your chance with a lion. Yeah. Probably be quicker. You know, lions eat you from the soft flesh. They eat you from the grind first. God, did you have to tell mm. me that? Well, How do you this know is like that? Before. They, do they do that with, animal like, with all animals? Uh, only certain animals eat you from the soft flesh, but um, big cats do it. They eat you from the groin upwards. Yeah, it's probably easier to chew, you know, soft Yeah, flesh. it's like go go into the soft part, and then you can work your way up to all the big bones and the ribs and stuff. So in in Oompa Loompa land or whatever, they don't have yeah. convalescent homes. They just accuse the elderly of witchcraft and just get rid of them. Yeah, I wonder what would happen to me on my street if they all, well, obviously I am a witch on my street, but I wonder what would happen if they all started rallying around me with like burning pitch forks and all that jazz. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. I know the the kids steer clear of your home. Yeah, I would just get all my murder, murder memorabilia out and like scare them away. <laughs> I got a letter from Dennis Nielsen here. This is my, this is my Bob Badella Polaroid camera. It's covered in old jizz. <laughs> Terrify them. That's it. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I, was like, I thought there was another part of the story. No, that's Jesus. it. It's like the, the, the police are basically, they're going to make some arrests. They're going to find all these people that killed this eight-year-old woman. I wonder you know? how often this happens there. Do it. I bet he's like, oh, not again. Oh, you know what? Um, when the case fell on his desk, he was like, for fuck's sake, why can't there just be like some car crime this week? Yeah, it's like, why does it have to be another elderly witch another getting witch! burned to death? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a side story here about an elderly witch. Um, mm. When we first moved to South Africa, so this would have been 1981, 82. Um, so, it, especially during that period, it was like apartheid. And so. This Most, is when telly was still black and white and rationing was uh, happening, wasn't it? Exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, most black people there could only either be a maid or a gardener. And that, that's it. They couldn't even have like regular jobs. It was that fucked up. And so anyway, we moved there. And so the temple, because the temple buy, bought us a house, because that's usually how rabbis work. Like they buy a house, they give you a car, but you don't get paid that much because you don't need to because you, you, know, you get the, the fringe benefits. But anyway, mm-hmm. the, the temple was like, you need a maid. And so my mom was like, why do we need a maid? She's like, that's just what you do. That's how you help you know, give to the economy and, yeah. and help people have jobs because that's what you do. So my mom's like, uh, okay. And they're like, yeah, and the maid lives there. The maid lives in like a maid quarters, like it's, and we had, I mean, it was like a, kind of like a two bedroom home. It was a nice home. It was like kind of yeah. in the back of our house, kind of on the side of our house, but it was connected. Like you walk through the courtyard to the maid's, the maid's house. Mm-hmm. Um, the gardener didn't live with us, but we also had a gardener, but he only came by like once or twice a week. But anyway, so we had a, a, a number of maids in the beginning. And so the first maid, she was the first or the second maid. Her name was Rini and she was a Swana woman. She's like, she was from, at Botswana. And so uh, she was like probably in her 70s, definitely a witch. 
I was scared cool. to death of Rini. She was like really like <laughs> she was just like really mean and just had this like harsh yeah, this harsh look on her face all the time. And if you like didn't eat the food she gave you, she would be upset. So you kind of had to eat it. And at that um so you know, at that time like I was probably I don't know like six so she'd have to take care of us like when my mom was at work and things like that so anyway uh, my mom was at work and we my sister had this Maltese poodle that was probably maybe a year old princess and uh we also had we also had a, a rottweiler named lancelot uh, but princess was my sister's dog and so princess i don't know if she startled princess or what what happened to to cause princess to do this but she like scared princess and princess jumped up and bit my sister right above her eye. Mm-hmm. And my sister would have been really young then, probably like maybe six and like yeah. seven. And so anyway, Rini was just like, you need to murder the dog, you know, slit the dog's throat, boil in its own blood and take three hairs of the dog and put it on that eye or she's going to become a demon. And so she, yeah, so she was like looking for the dog and she grabbed the dog and I was like, you can't do this. And then like my brother was there too. And he was just like, no, we're not going to do this. She's like, we have to do this. And so she was like taking the dog into the kitchen and my sister's crying. I think I was just like, didn't know what to do. And we're grabbing the dog and uh, my mom ended up coming home and was just like, we're not killing the dog. She goes, "We, we, we have to kill the dog. Or the whole house will be like, you know, possessed by like a demonic force or demonic spirit. And my mom's like, we're not doing this. And so Rini just left. She just went, got her, packed up her shit and just left. Yeah, because the demon's coming. We didn't kill the dog. I'm surprised that she was working for Jews anyways, because we all all know. (laughs) I don't think she saw that. I think she just saw white people. You know, you're white. We work for white people. We ended up, uh, I think after Rini, then we ended up getting Pat, who's a Zulu woman. And Pat was our maid the, the whole rest of the time we were there. She was an amazing. She was amazing. She was such a cool person. Taught me how to speak yeah. Zulu. Um, yeah, we we wanted to we wanted Pat to come back here because like everything was all fucked up in South Africa you. at the time. Oh yeah, and her mm-hmm. family. We we're gonna see if they, if they come. And she was like, I can't. So, you know, I wonder whatever happened to that lady. She was nice, but yeah, this that Rini woman. That that's why it doesn't surprise me that that, that you happens. hear stories about like witchcraft and things like that. It was definitely like a, you know, a culture shock at the time. Princess lived forever as well, didn't she? No, no. How princess, old is princess? No, Princess ended up uh, dying a premature death because our, na- <gasps> oh, our neighbors yes, shot yeah. her. I think I might have told you about that. The other yeah, one, though, did. Princess had a that's, puppy named Coco, and Coco lived to be like 22. Looked like fucking, <laughs> yeah, it looked like Coco. fucking Mumra. Like no, just like patches of fur and like two teeth. Was had, it like, not Mumra seizures. who wanked two on Thundercats? No, I typically did Chitara, but occasionally Mumra. You never know. Yeah, the scream. The scream from Mumra. That got you going. I bet it did. Anyway, people, send your story. Podcast at gmail.com. We have phone phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032. got some saucy phone calls this time around. Ooh. Yeah, a couple of saucy ones. Anyway, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I was just pleasuring myself to your podcast. Hey, sick and wrong listeners, want to add some spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com and you'll get 50% off your purchase. Free shipping. 
two adult DVDs and a product so sensual, I cannot even mention it on this podcast. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkouts. Love you boys. Now I'm going to go back to having some fun. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is the number. Uh, people, we do have a losing your virginity horror story contest going mm-hmm. on right now with fabulous prizes. You call in, tell us your horror story about losing your virginity, and we're going to send you something that you can either stick your dick into or you can stick the thing in you. I have like a whole no. box of dildos. No diddling. Well, no, I'm saying, okay, yeah, yeah. There's That's a one no stipulation. There's a stipulation here, no diddling. We don't want to hear yeah. about you getting, that doesn't count. That does, also doesn't count about you losing your virginity because it's it involuntary. It has to be a consensual. Yeah, a consensual story. sex act. Mm-hmm. So yeah. send in your most humiliating horror story. We've been getting a few. Haven't played them yet, but we've been getting a few. And uh, we're going to choose the worst one. And uh, there's going to be a- Should we do it for Valentine's Day? Oh, that's a good idea. Save that's a Valentine's really good Day. idea. All right, so send him in. Can we get Steele on the Patreon and ask him how he lost his virginity? My new best friend, Steele. You know, I would, that would be an intriguing, intriguing uh, Patreon. Yeah. The world wants to know, D. I do not know how he lost his virginity. Let's get Steele on the Patreon. All right, we might have to ask Steele about that. Yeah. You know, Wackerly's tale of losing his virginity is one of my favorites. Would Wackerly come on the show for Probably Patreon? not, but it yeah, was, I know, I remember, I'll ask him if he'll do it, but I mm. remember this because I was living in the house when it happened. When it, it was happened. on like Halloween night because we had a party and it nice. happened and he shagged a girlfriend of another guy that we knew. Ooh, and, oh, yeah. Oh, it was salacious. It was scandalous. And, do you uh, know Jeffrey's? virginity story you know i don't know how jeff lost his virginity are you talking gay or straight because i know jeff used to shag girls like yeah and um, both both yeah jeffrey was like precocious like he would uh like freddie mercury would shag anything but then well, he I, you know decided... he i think he preferred men but he definitely had mm. girlfriends but at a young yeah. age he had girlfriends he probably lost his virginity at a young age you know i don't know maybe maybe we should do that maybe that should be the overkill for valentine's day the theme yeah. The theme. I don't think Wackily will talk about it, but it was. Oh, I want to know. Oh, it was. A, it was a great story. Maybe I'll tell it, but it was okay. a great story. I want to know about Steel as well. Anyway, three two three five two two four zero three two is that number. We got a bunch of calls that uh, we're going to get to today. A couple saucy ones, but first, here's someone we haven't heard from in a while. Dick and wrong, you dirty sluts! It's Michaela's birthday. Say happy birthday, Michaela. Jizzy Jake celebrating Michaela's birthday. Woohoo! This this fantastic storyteller is back. <laughs> you know, like Jizzy Jake, I love Jizzy Jake. I miss I miss his stories. This guy, like, what I liked about Jizzy Jake is, of course, we didn't play all of his calls every week because sometimes he'd call in like with eight calls. But I love yeah. the stories, just the chaos. <laughs> I love the chaos. Do you like it, his cadence? Yes. I, d- I do miss Jizzy. I was wondering what he's been up to. I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Let's 
he is a polarizing figure though. <laughs> there are some people that just do not want, do not, do not even care what's going on in Jizzy Jake's life. Other people are like, what's Jizzy Jake been up to? I think I'm in the latter camp. Yeah, I'm in a, I don't care. She is looking left the gut and she's looking for it in the gut. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. Hey. Um, That's romantic. Looking for it in the gut. Is that what he said? He does have a uh, he does have a good mastery of the English language. He certainly does. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you guys still have Harrison on your fucking voicemail? That's fucking weird. Uh, you should get uh, somebody else on the voicemail. Um, oh, no, no. You know, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't even, you know, until his call, I didn't even think about that. I guess Harrison recorded the message on the uh, the sick and wrong hotline voicemail. Yeah, that's funny. That's like you know when you break up with someone. And you think like they're out of your life, and then six months later you'll get like a fucking bill addressed to the pair of that you. you and you're forgot like, oh, about for fuck's sake! Like the and then cable it brings bill or something. all memories. <laughs> yeah, it brings all memories flooding back, and you're like, fuck them! We've been broken up six months now, or whatever. That's like yeah. That. I didn't even think about that. I guess I'll have to re-record the voice message. All Could right, we do th- it? Thank you, Jizzy Jake, for that. We should look into getting like a euro number so that all the, the sick and wrong folk in Europe and Britain can ring in and leave voicemails. That's a good idea. It's a couple of different numbers. But you know what? I could probably put that on, on the website. Yeah, we should definitely do a Eurozone one. Oh, that's a good idea. I never didn't even think about yeah. that because, I mean, it's just a Google voice number. We could probably get a Google, you could probably get a Google voice number. Let's sort that. We but we'll have to get people. two new messages anyway. Mostly, mm. mostly Euro people just send in, uh, either send it via Facebook or... Uh, just yeah, but you want MP3. the drunk dial so they can save it into their phone. So when they are drunk, we can get some solutions. Just WhatsApp it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got to go, but honestly, I just want you to fucking say something. You're a slut. How slutty? You're <laughs> a fucking slut. What would you do to that slut? Pick it up your asshole, you big fucking slut. How hard and how long? Really tiny and really short. Fucking typical for the boys that you date. Uh, now one second. Oh, that's hot. Happy that birthday, there, Michaela. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounded well, like they were nearly army then. You I know, wonder if. Army. Yeah, I mean they were definitely in sync. I wonder if uh, are they involved? I know they used to be involved. Is it, where is he living? So now he's back in Florida with Michaela. Or North Carolina or something. I don't know. Jizzy Jake. He's like you know one of the. He's like that guy in the Dos Equis he's a, commercial. He's just, a vagabond. Yeah, yeah, he's a vagabond. He's a drifter, you know? Yeah. He, he goes where the uh, the drugs and the beer are. He's so, a Rolling Stone, man. Rolling Stone. Like, he was living in in uh, North Hollywood for a bit, then he went to Texas, and then he's, like, apparently back in North Carolina or Florida or wherever he is. I think it's Florida. Florida's... Is that where, is that where Michaela's from? Michaela sounds like she's from Florida. Yeah, I, that, think. I think he's Floridian. Yeah. Yeah. One second, one second, hold on, one thing. Hey, come here, come here. No, no, no. Birthday girl says one thing. One thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think she, honestly, I thought, I think she farted when she uh, came up here. So she said one thing. I got one thing to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, and and that's how it ended. So we don't. Good know. to have you back, Jizzy Jake. <laughs> Welcome Good back, Jizzy back. Jake. Yeah. I missed you. Yeah, I'm glad you're back in Florida having fun. Because, yeah, maybe he wasn't having so much fun uh, in, in like North California Hollywood. or Texas because he just never rang in. And maybe now he's back home and he's a bit like, yeah, I've been on my travels. I'm a, a worldlier man. 
And yeah, now I'm you know, that's, again. that's probably what it was. He, you know, COVID's really bad here. Probably mm. sucked when he moved here. Wasn't able to, uh, you know, go out and have Get fun. Job, Whereas in Florida, no one gives a shit about the COVID. Bars are still open. You can do whatever you want. So he's probably back to to the old antics. Yeah, he's probably you in know? the best place to be. Well, anyway, good to have you back, JJ. And happy birthday there, Michaela. Sounds like mm. it's a good one. Um, next caller here is uh, Big Papa Smurf explaining yeah. the, uh, the 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 term simp, Ooh. which uh, I didn't quite understand. Yo, yo, it's Big Papa Smurf. What's up, D? What's up, Kate? You're doing a great job, by the way. Oh, thank you. I called to explain to you guys the origin and meaning of the word simping. Simping. Thank you. Actually, yeah. simping is a word that black people have been using for quite some time, decades even. It's Ooh. the meaning of it has changed with its co-op into the white the white community. But we always co-opt your terms. White people no, no, always no. co-opt the black terms because yeah. But I mean, once but they co-opt it, they change it, and then the term sucks. Yeah. And the black people are like, "We're going to invent new words now." So fuck you. That, you know what? That's semiotics, though, isn't it, baby? You, it like is, words that's... change over time, and you've got to roll with it. And like sometimes they'll change for worse, sometimes they'll change for better. But yeah, I didn't know that it was a decades. I work. actually I didn't know the origin it was from, from the black. I love community. being schooled. This is great. The origin of simping comes from a man allowing someone he's attracted to to manipulate him to his detriment. That's what a simp is. Is anybody like any like if you date like somebody who's just emptying out your wallet, you're simping. You're simping for It's like a gold digger. You're dating a gold digger. You're simping for the woman. No, I don't necessarily think it has to do with monetary terms either. It could be like emotional terms either. Even if you're not getting laid by them, you can be somebody's sim. So it's you're basically being taken advantage of by this person. Yeah, the pussy, the pussy is controlling you. The pussy is manipulating you. All right. The pussy has manipulated you. For for some ass or whatever, you're, you think somebody loves you. Uh, just like a lot of things white people do and say, it gets co-opted by the white kids and they use it for their own mean, their own game, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's totally being used out of context as usual. Just thought I'd come in and call, and call in and uh, tell you guys that uh, it, it's, 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 it is what it is. It doesn't bother me very much, but, um, figured that was a pretty good piece of information. Uh, keep it sick, keep it wrong. Um, you guys have a merry fucking Saturnalia. Fuck this holiday. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you there for the explanation, uh, Big Papa Smurf. So what's you the difference egg. between, I guess, not not the literal definition, but the definition of how it's used um, between a cuck and simp? Right. Well, a cuckold is, um, that's a, like a, a Chaucer word. That's a Shakespearean Yeah, but that's word. the, I'm saying that's the literal definition. But in, ter in terms of internet parlance, in when modern, someone calls you a cuck versus a simp, because it, it seems like white people have co-opted it. And now you see it on like Facebook, you know, comment thread. They're like, you're a simp, you're a cuck, you're a simp. So what's the difference between Well, a between cuck is when a woman has um, cheated on you and she's done it very blatantly. It still means the same internet terms. It means okay, a pussy right, right. has manipulated you with another man. Whereas a simp is where you'll do anything, even if like you'll join this woman's OnlyFans and you'll defend her in public, even though she's never given you the pussy. Because you're simping. You. All right, all right. Because so you're simping. Yeah. 
that that is the difference. You know, I don't really use either one of those terms, but I don't you like do the see them bandied about on the internet. Whenever I see the word simp, I just think of simpleton. I just think of like a rotundo. That's That's what I thought it was for the longest time. I think until yeah. you explained it to me. I, I just thought simp, oh, so that person's a simpleton. Like, a, mm. you know, like a, the proper term for rotundo or Puss, something. Yeah, I do find it offensive when people are like, oh, yeah, you've been manipulated by pussy. It's like, well, women are better than men. You don't have to make it seem like it's a bad thing. Like, yeah, pussy is great. That's just like, what happens. It's, that's it's... just what happens. Pussy is fucking great. There's no shame in being that's life. a simp. Yeah. That's life. All right. Um, speaking of being manipulated by the pussy, uh, here's oh. the two saucy calls. It's a two-parter um, from uh, Psychopathia Sexualis calls in here. Nice. With, uh, awesome. Do you remember when uh, she called in and told us I don't know if it was a story about that, but going to like a swingers club in Britain. <gasps> oh my God, Remember? Yeah. So, yeah, she's telling us swinger stuff. Well, yeah, so we were awesome. talking about it. We played on the Patreon a few weeks ago. Patreon, we, we play like a lot of saucy calls on the Patreon. Mm. So, and this one is kind of unintentionally saucy. I didn't realize she was going to talk about a swingers club. And so then I brought it up like, uh, so what's the difference between, you know, what happens at a British yeah, swingers we had club? Questions. And, and you yeah. said, who's, uh, who's the guy that did the documentary on it? Louis Theroux. Louis Theroux, yeah. Went to uh, a British swingers club. So, yeah, I actually watched the episode. No, he went to an American one. He went oh, to an American one? Oh, okay. Yeah, British guy went to an American one here. And so I was wondering what the difference was between an American swingers club versus a British one. So Psychopathia calls in with um, a detailed story. Awesome. Yeah. Hi, Dee. Hi, Kate. Um, Hello. You played my call on Patreon and Dee asked me to ring in and say, tell you what it's like in a British swingers club. Now, I, let's see, at the time I was attending, I was freshly 18 and... Isn't that a little young to go to a swingers club? At the same time, I can kind of see why you you do it because like you, you're bold at that age yeah you're sexually adventurous when you're 18, 19, yeah but she's, you're she's pretty young though i mean she's like what 21 now or something i think 20? a few years old maybe like 23 22 but i mean hmm. you're still you're still you're bolder than you are and you're also curious you know you're like independent yeah. you're, you know you moved probably <laughs> left your parents house now you're like i'm gonna explore my sexuality i'm gonna do what i want i put this just so damaged <laughs> Like, imagine the kind of 18-year-old who um, needs that kind of validation and... She has a point there. Hi, it's me. Um, four years later, I'm not much better, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, they were... The parties were mostly populated by older couples, but I would always find a man in their, I'd say, 30s, because I can't drive, and the club was about an hour away in the car. So I would just always hop on the website, say that I wanted to go that evening and arrange a lift with a complete stranger. Wow, that's bold. I don't know if you would do that here because here you'd probably just oh, no. end up in the trunk of that stranger. No, you can do that in Britain. That's fine. I've done that. I used to hitchhike all the time. Yeah, but you would just like go on a, uh, the website of a swingers club and be like, I want to go to the party. Come pick me up, I think random that's, that's, weirdo. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty safe, to be honest. God, I don't I think do. women would ever do that here. Yeah, in no, the US. I, I think that's 
that's it. There's also like a, you know, an email chain or whatever. And these men are probably thinking, yeah, let's take this young chick. I'll shag her well, at no, the party I'm, and then I'll the, take her home. The men would, the men's would be the like, men's. so do you get an 18 yeah. year old girl who's like, I'm mm-hmm. on a date to this party. But, uh, you know, oftentimes in the U.S., and mostly swingers clubs, women can go in sing, like, by themselves. They don't have to have a date. They can just go. Yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, men can't go in. A single man can't go. You have to have uh, be oh, accompanied a by a woman. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it makes oh, sense. Stop, be- stop the perverts. Well, yeah. it also makes sense. It'd just be all dudes, you know? <laughs> just be a room full of horny dudes. Sausage party. I love to be safe. Um... So I'd always get a lift and I'd always attend with this man and he would pay for my entry. We'd stop. Okay. All right. All right. I take that nice. back. She took a lift to get there. Mm-hmm. She didn't no, no, no. get no, no, picked no, up. No, 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 no. A lift over here just means your mate will give you a lift. I In thought she said she took a lift. No. Yeah. She took a lift with this man, but she didn't take a lift or an Uber. It's just, it's British slang D. You, she's oh. just taking a lift of a man that she's met online going to this club. Okay, I thought she was being in. safe rather um, than getting picked up by the weirdo and the pervert. She's just taking no, a lift and meeting him no, there. No, bless your Yankee heart, but it's just British slang. <laughs> that's, that's how it would work here. Big ass join away slang. and buy wine. Um, you took your own condoms, obviously. Very safe and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there was... Whenever I attended, there was a young, a younger girl. I think she was, I think she was in her twenties, who worked behind the bar. So I'd always end up talking with her, and you, you basically spent most of the evening talking, and then maybe you would go and fuck. They had different rooms. They had like a room with a window. What I wonder what you're wearing. Like, are you just wearing lingerie, or like? Uh... No, you wear just your clothes. Just regular I think clothes. When you go up, yeah, I think when you go up to like the rooms, obviously there's undressing them, but I think you just wear normal. You so... not you don't strip down into like a corset and like suspenders as soon as you walk through the door. No, I don't think so. I've, at least I've been to a couple swing. I've been to a few swingers parties, but um, I remember I was at one in San Francisco. The stripper named Cinnamon, and uh, she was just wearing like yeah, like a corset and garters and just walking around. And and there were lots of girls just dressed like that. And, I mean, there were some girls just dressed mm. in like evening wear, but then you know, men mostly had on like suits. Yeah. But but yeah, gr- there were girls wearing like uh, you know like lingerie and stockings, tights, things like that. Um. A room, sexually charged two environment. rooms that locked. They had a room with no door, so you could be in and people could look. Um, and then they had like some like spanking benches in an open area. Ooh, always had spanking benches. The big cross, I can't remember what it's called. I want to say Saint Christopher, but I know he's the patron saint of travelers. You know, that's <laughs> one thing too. I've noticed that the different swinger clubs I've went to, they always have that cross. Like I'm sure at a um, the X cross, like, it looks like the cross there, of St Andrews. Well, yeah, it's kind of like well, yeah, it's the St Andrews. Cross. It's that X cross that you're just kind of like that they yeah, that's the St Andrews cross. What's that? Uh, what's that party that they do? It's an English party. It's a sex kind of a sexy party. Oh, the ones I used to go to for Vice. What the fuck? At yeah. Garden. What's it called? Torture Garden. Torture Garden, yeah, yeah. The Torture Garden mm. parties. They had one of those there. And oh, a number of spanking the... benches. Yeah, I have partaken in a spanking bench many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when, when you're on torture a spanking... Torture Garden's like 
Torchicon is a weird environment though, because I wouldn't call that a swingers event, even though there's definitely well when I was attending Torchicon, sex was taking place. Uh, there definitely was sex at that. Well, but uh, maybe it's, heavy I've, I've heard it's very tame now compared to what it used to be. There's drugs there, there's sex, but I would never consider it a swinging event, even though I was pissing in pint glasses and giving it to men. Like it's a weird. I enjoyed Torch Garden when I was there, but I was also being paid to go. I don't know if I would necessarily be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay ticket prices and go to Torch Garden. I was being paid to be there. So I was like, I might as well just fucking do all this. When, they, when they had it in L.A., was that like last year? I think it was. Um, I've I, also heard that every Torch Garden that isn't London is shit. Yeah, I, I wasn't that impressed with that. But I, I remember like I emailed them and it was like, I'm sick and wrong. We're doing a thing on it. And uh, yeah, they sent me like free passes. I mean, it was like 60 bucks to go to it. It's ridiculous. It's expensive. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, $60, $70. And sent me free pa- I, I got three passes. Me, my ex-girlfriend, and Harrison. And Harrison mm. was just like, I don't want to go. I don't know. He, oh, he, I thought he'd be so I, into I, it. I totally, I, I was, I surprised him. And I thought he'd be cool with it. And I thought it'd be something we could talk about, but... I don't know, he was like, you know, I think it was also the anxiety of like, I don't have anything it's, to wear. Yeah, but he did, he had all these outfits though. I mean, he had like a straight yeah, jacket. It is, it's a very public thing. And if you're wanting to like, not a lot of people who are into BDSM and all that are wanting to be public about it. Torture Garden is very much a British thing, I think. It's very much about peacocking and like just showing off like your silly kind of because you know they'll have like splashing events showing off your weird fetishes and if you don't want to do that if you don't want to leave the bedroom that's fair enough i can see yeah and i I can understand that too so i ended up just going with my ex i mean we had a good time did a lot of cocaine um but there used to be i don't know if they still do it here but there used to be like these different like sex parties in la that you go to and uh, they're like events, and you could go. I remember I got sick and wrong. I got a press pass for that one too. I went there, and uh, um, Gene Simmons was there doing a show. Ew. Yeah, he was doing his. Remember, Ew. he had his reality show. But uh, there was yes. like a whole group of men, and they're spanking chairs. But there was also like a group of like, guys getting their balls filled with saline, and okay. then just like girls kicking them in the nuts. Nothing makes my vagina close up tighter than the words Gene Simmons. Yeah, I I know. He was like filming a live segment. But yeah, there were like guys getting their balls filled with saline by like these doms. And then there are other doms kicking guys in the nuts. It was crazy. Anyway. It's probably not that. Um, And then at the back, they had a room that had like like a 10 foot leather bed in it. That was like the orgy room and it was pretty dark. God. Um, but after a while, pregnant if you sat on that bed, imagine the smells Ugh. just sort of turns into like a moaning contest, like oh, I'm having the most fun. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they had a locked room that had a sex swing in, which was my favorite room because I don't know, I'm lazy. Um, this will probably be a two parter, so I'm gonna stop now and start another call. Yeah, you just sit in the swing and just sit Yeah, but I'm also lazy. Do the and work. The idea of having to get into a swing and then your partner has to get into a swing and then you're all fucking swinging and sexing, that's too lazy. Even Both aren't in a swing. There's not like two swings. Well, then I can, no, like you can get the sex swing where they're also like into the contraption. That's you what both I are in the same swing. It. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's just too much work. Even getting into a swing is too much work for me. But I'm like... 15 years older than her. The, so the swings can I'm be I'm at fun. the lazy point now. Like, 
is part so, two. Yeah, you generally talked to people and maybe, I don't know, it was, it was all very casual and um, there was food. I never ate yes. because <laughs> I, was about to um, ask I do something called the food. dick diet, which is if I know I'm getting fucked, I don't eat all day. Hey, the, the dick, dick diet. diet. Wow. <laughs> you know, she probably has a point there. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, when you eat a lot of food, you probably don't want to, like, you know, oh, have yeah, marathon fuck it. sessions. But, but, yeah. like, but you also get hungry after you've been having a lot of dick. So you need to have food there so you can, like, quickly refuel and then go back to taking more dick. Finger Shaggy food at the sex hungry. clubs. Yep. Shaggy makes you hungry, man. I do not like to feel sick and I like to have my face fucked and it's not super attractive to be full of food and the particular food on offer was an incredibly British buffet I'm sure Kate knows a what beige I mean. buffet. beige a it beige buffet pie. <laughs> is that he a term having a beige buffet yeah do you not know what bu- you know what a buffet is well I know what a buffet is I think Americans invented that I don't yeah. know what a beige buffet is a beige buffet is be like Every British person knows what I'm talking about. It'll all be beige food. So you've got like sausage rolls, cocktail sausages. Maybe they've got the hedgehog that has the pineapple and cheese on it. That'll be the only color. There will be nothing else. It's just all just beige. beige. Breadsticks, some dips maybe. Yeah, all beige. A beige I've, buffet. I I've am never heard of every this Every so often, every so often, a beige buffet is fine. But you can't be having that every week. In Las Vegas, you don't have beige buffets. They're very colorful and very yeah, highly caloric. Fancy. Well, that, I would say fancy, highly just highly caloric. These are highly caloric, <laughs> but they're just a beige buffet. I totally know. I can see the hedgehog. I can see the hedgehog in my mind. And quiche and quiche. other yeah. breaded accoutrements. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bowl of crisps, maybe. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, so it was generally a good night. I spent one New Year's there with a man called Bill who looked like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which was fun. Oh. Before we actually Bill. got to the party, I sucked him off in a lay-by, which probably wasn't my proudest moment. Um, in a what? In a lay-by. What's that? Uh, you know, like, a, you'll be driving, and you can have, like, little spots that you can, like, just pull your car into, like, so you can either, like... <laughs> I don't know, eat a sandwich. Is this for or... dogging? <laughs> yeah, that's like kind a little of like dogging dogging. stop. Like no, a stop lay, there for dogging. Buys, yeah, a dogging spot. Lay buys are too um, in public for dogging. But you know, you'll be driving down a the road. There'll be a little bit you can pull off into. And sometimes, you know, you'll maybe sit there, have a coffee, make a phone call, smoke a cigarette or whatever. It's a lay by. Like the side of the road. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's what, weird. What do you call them in America? You must have little stopping points. On long distances of road. Like a rest area. Yeah, but there's nothing in the rest area. It's basically just a a pull-off point on the side of a road. A lay-by. That's such a bizarre world of view. You guys don't even drive on the right fucking side of the road. What did English give you? Like, I can't believe we built your country and you guys don't have... You don't have beige buffets. You don't have layovers. You don't have... Well, we just made everything make more sense. Like, we drive on the right side of the road. (laughs) Everything seems to make more sense here. We call her crisp potato chips because that's what they are. They are crispy. They are crisps. <laughs> Who am I kidding? It was great. Um, but that's another thing. That's, that's I guess, not technically dogging, but I have been dogging. And all I'll say about dogging is 
it's fucking cold because we live in England cold. and it's fucking freezing. Sex outside is um, cold. I wasn't too happy to be dogging because it was, well, not to get too dark on you guys, but I was, um, I was <laughs> groomed uh, and um, trafficked uh. by a 55 year old when I was 16. God. That is, wanker. well, 16 is the wanker. AOC there, though, right? Isn't that the age of consent? 16 in England? 16, yeah. Yeah, so, but 55-year-old man. You know, I always pictured that the men that engage in dogging probably are all over 50, aren't they? Mm, yeah. What a wanker. Fuck him. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think Daniel Radcliffe is going dogging. <laughs> Maybe. Would they, do you think that would ruin it if, like, Harry Potter <laughs> just showed up in the car? Um, I would totally whip my phone out and take some pictures and sell them to the sun. <laughs> it would make my day. We've all had sex in cars and woods. And like, yeah, it's fucking cool to be having sex outside in Britain. Yeah. We've all done it. All Harry done it, Potter right? dogging with northern slag. <laughs> <laughs> God, it'd be scandalous. So that probably explains the whole damaged thing. Um, and there's... Um, so I live in Bristol, and there's a place called Swindon nearby, which is a shithole. Swindon and is a shithole. I attended a swingers club in Swindon, and that's where I met my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so I'm 18, he's 36, and we met in a glory hole. He sticks his dick through, and I'm like, fucking hell, that's the biggest dick I've ever seen. Um, and like Cinderella, I had to find the man attached to it. And I did, and we dated for eight months. <laughs> this is so romantic. Is this what Cockerella. happened? In, is this what yeah. happened in Notting Hill? <laughs> Cockerella. The, the premise yeah. of Notting Hill, I think. I don't, so that should have been so Cocking that's Hill. <laughs> that's yeah. interesting. There's like a glory hole, and you just gotta sit, just, just like do all the swingers clubs have a glory hole? They, well, they must do it. So just waiting for the perfect thing. cock. And the perfect, yeah. She's like Goldie Cox, isn't she? She was waiting for the perfect cock fall into her lap and yeah like in was. notting hill hugh grant just shoved his cock yeah, in cocking there. hill more, more cock puns please broke my heart um and i got sectioned for the first time because of him my life what is bastard. a never-ending series of um fucking low-grade tragedies it's very dramatic if it was a hollywood film i believe they'd call it character building <laughs> yeah so i've had more sex with strangers than i probably should have um but i'm always safe got a Good. Don't be silly. Be safer than I've been. Willy. Um, and even my friend with benefits, who I've been fucking for four years, still uses a condom. And I'm like, "Come on, guy. I think by now you know I'm good." Okay, keep it sick, keep it wrong. Well, thank you, there, psychopathia. I love her calls. I love her calls, and I'm so glad she told me about the food. Thank you so much. There was so much that was covered in this. Like she described British swinger clubs, the food. You know, Jizzy beige Jake, buffet. That's how you do a phone call. Dogging. Phone calls, <laughs> it just cut, touched all the bases for me. Thank you, there, psychopathia. I now know. If it's not too, yeah. If it's not too hurtful for her, I I want her to ring back in and tell us more about this fucking nonce. Oh, the nonce. I want to hear uh, some. Her. Tell us. Yeah, I want to hear more about like you know how must did you meet him on the internet? What went on there? Like. He was he like formally married? What's happened to him now? Like just you know, if it's not too dark and it doesn't hurt too much. 
Like, I want to hear us- more about Cocking Hill. Like, how did you find the cock? Like that that belonged to the guy on the other side of the. Oh, and uh, the, the wall, oh, what? Like she found hole. him later on. Yeah, I want to know that too. Like, was she just like? Did she just instantly go around with like big doe eyes? And she was like, "This is the biggest dick I've ever seen." And he was like, oh, "I'll give you this dick." And then they just fell in love. I just wonder if she had That's like cock radar. I don't know, and just somehow boop, found boop, boop, it. Boop, boop, yeah. <laughs> Cockdar. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, there, psychopathia. People call Sigma on hotline three two three five two two four zero three two. Um, if you haven't already, which I think a lot of people have, check out the new Sick and Wrong Reddit page. I mean, there's like well over three hundred perverts on there now. I think My like three hundred fifty yes. perverts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this video. That was posted this week. Kate actually like sent it to me. She's like on on Facebook, just send me a link. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll click on it. Holy shit. It's a video of Kate's future husband. (laughs) She probably met him in a glory hole. He has a wine glass, a bowl, Bowl. and a a spoon. spoon. And I'm going to leave you to go to the Reddit page and figure out what he does with these implements. Um, My lord. Yeah. It's... I have to approve all these posts, so I see them all. <laughs> I see them all it, like early morning as well. I'll be like, oh, I'll just go and read it and approve them. And oh, that was that was nearly on par with the chick. The oh, chick yeah, with yeah. the honey. The, the, I, I got to say, the sick and wrong Reddit, I'm not surprised, but it's really turning into the bowels of the internet. It really is. It really it's is. Funny. Anyway, yeah, good, some, good, good, me- some good memeing, people. Well it's done. Some good memeing, yeah. If you want to discuss mm-hmm. your family and I'm friends, proud s- of you send them all. links. Uh, yeah. Just go do go to Reddit and do a search for r slash sick and wrong podcast. Uh, no spaces. Um, also, I've noticed a lot of people have been signing up for the sick and wrong Patreon. I mean, we're doing way more on Patreon than we ever did before. And I think it's kind of cool because there's just a lot of, uh, of new content that we're doing. You know, some people are telling me that they prefer the Patreon over the show. And I was like, oh, fuck you. Aww. But yeah, but I kind of get it because like the show is structured. You know, we structure yes. the show. There's like, you mm. know, it's always like an intro, the news stories, the phone calls. It's a very structured thing. Whereas Patreon is, is definitely very unstructured. I mean, we just kind of do our outtakes on it. We do one story. We do, you know, random phone calls. Like People like hearing me get drunk. Yeah, we both get kind of <laughs> drunk. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the the phone call this week was a saucy three-parter because we can go longer on the Patreon, you know, you get more flexibility. But from Warwick Davis calling about that weird strip club, Henry Africa, he calls it. Great stories. Great stories, It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, we're also doing a new segment now called Sick and Wrong News, mm. where uh, we go into detail about like, you know, celebrity news and news that, that happened this past week. Um this this week we uh, discussed the Army Hammer controversy, and uh, yeah, we we I don't go into detail about it. I don't think eh, there is a controversy. Well, you can I listen and figure it out. Fake news, yeah. News. We also discuss uh, these medieval virginity tests that are currently going on in the UK, and uh, Kate goes into a lot of detail about how she <laughs> lost her hymen. Put it this way. It involved a horse. But you got to go to Patreon <laughs> to go find out. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Also, as I mentioned before, the uh, bonus episode of Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our mini-sode that we do, is uh, where it's um, basically it's about killers that, that were inspired by that movie, The Collector. And so Kate goes into a lot of detail about the various killers that uh, were inspired by that film. 
Um, so go check it out. Just go to uh, patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. You also get an invite to the sick and wrong discord. Um, also, there's a sale going on at the Tee Public uh, store. I think it's like 30% off. I don't know how Ooh, long it goes it. for. But yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of people took advantage. I think I posted about it on Facebook. Um, but yeah, go check it out. Sickandwrongpodcast.com uh, slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope and uh, you can buy some Sick and Wrong merch. Finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. There are two major deaths this week. Two big two big mm. deaths. High profile deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Siegfried Fischbacher, the uh, second half of Siegfried and Roy, the German-born magician who captivated Las Vegas audiences for years with, the, with his performances uh, with, the, with Siberian tigers and other exotic animals. He died uh, this past Wednesday night at his home in Las Vegas. He was 81 years old. He died from pancreatic cancer. Um, oh, no shit, really. It's an awful way to die. Would you know when his, I read that uh, news... My first thought was of you. I imagined you just having a single tear just rolling down your cheek of being like, it's finally over. I was always more of a Roy Horn fan, but I I did like them both. The man is barely in his grave. Don't say that. Um, But I always preferred Roy. They could not exist without each other. No, they were a duo. They They they, were. It was like a yin and yang kind of thing. Like, Mm. uh, uh, but... um, Fishbacher's longtime companion here, Roy Horn, he died in May, um, May 2020 from COVID. Yeah. Oh, he's barely lasted a year without him. That's so sad. They were domestic as well as professional partners for a number of years, and they kept dozens of exotic cats and other animals in their secret garden and dolphin habitat at the Mirage Casino. (laughs) Which, if you ever went to it, it's abysmal. It's like I'm never gonna go to it. I oh, it is so it. awful. Like I no, went to I it, and go. I mean, I understand that they like say you know they're doing conservation efforts and but you know what? To be honest, Siberian tigers shouldn't be in a fucking desert in the middle of Nevada. They no. shouldn't be in Nevada. They should be in fucking Siberia because they're fucking tigers. They shouldn't be in fucking 118 degree Fahrenheit heat. And it's it's dismal. Like you go there. The other thing too, at the Mirage, there's also like a big pool with dolphins, and you see all these fat tourists wasted swimming with dolphins. Oh, I don't uh, like hearing about this, Miana. Oh I'm yeah, like no. About this shit. It is. It's definitely one of the worst things I've ever seen. Anyway, rest in peace, uh, uh, Siegfried and Roy. It is finally the end. I do regret never having to never having seen them. Yeah. Would you have gone to their show? I think I would have gone to their show and I probably would have walked out halfway through. Because I think it is you probably, you'd have been upset because you, you hate... I would have been able to say it is animal abuse at the end of the day what they're doing. So I would have loved to. I would have loved to go and just to see if uh, if one of the tigers is going to maul them. That is the reason I would have gone to be like, oh, I'm waiting to see a mauling. But halfway through when I realized a mauling was not going to take place, I would have been just very upset that they have these tigers. They're like disrespecting these tigers. And I'm fucking out of here. I'm fucking off my ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the second death that affected me a bit more here was a oh. Sylvain Sylvain, a punk guitar icon. Uh, best known for uh, playing guitar with the New York Dolls. He there's also died Wednesday. I know oh, there's only one doll left now. He also died from cancer, oh, age 69. He's had cancer for a few years, so three, four years. But it's still really sad, and he's such a lovely guy as well. He was by all Such accounts, a cool like, guy. Nicest guy. Cool. So talented. Seen him live. Yeah, he's great. And 
you know when um david goes it will totally be the end yeah da- david johansson is the last remaining new york the last doll. doll oh it's so sad and he's got to be up there too um you know sylvain sylvain uh, was born in egypt cairo egypt did you know that yeah and it, yeah and he was raised in like um amsterdam wasn't he he's european no he moved to france and oh, then at the sorry. age of like 10, moved to New York. But uh, his mm-hmm. name is Sylvain Mizrahi. And his wife, Wendy Mizrahi, said he battled cancer for the past two and a half years. And he, though he fought it valiantly, um, he passed away from the disease on Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, he grew up in uh, Cairo, Egypt, moved to France, uh, lived in France for a few years, and uh, moved to New York. And that's where he met Arthur Kane, Arthur Killer Kane, and uh, yeah. Johnny Thunders and Billy Mercia, all of which are dead. And uh, he played the guitar in the band Actress, which eventually became the New York Dolls in 1971. Uh, mm. Versatile mu- musician, though. He played guitar, bass, piano, and he wrote um, songs on the New York Dolls' first two albums. Um, such an amazing band, so underappreciated at the time. I think now uh, they're getting a lot of the accolades. Yeah, I think people in the know know about the New York Dolls, but I think they're still underappreciated. I've, I've always said if I could go back in time, that was a show I'd love to see. Me like too. The because too much too soon tour, 1973. Yeah, that'd be they're vicious as well. There's something very vicious about the New York Dolls, which a lot of rock and roll bands don't have. Like you feel, not including Arthur Kane, but all of them all have knives and they will stop you. <laughs> they will cut you. Uh, Sylvain and vocalist David Johansson um, were in the band amidst shifting lineups. Um, but they ended, they ended it in 1977, I think. I don't know when Johnny Thunders... Johnny Thunders died in the 80s, but he, I know he quit the he band from the Heartbreakers. But Johansson's the only surviving member at this point. I love David Johansson. May he live forever. I, you know, I, I consider myself fortunate to have seen them, and they did a reunion tour in 2006. It was only mm. Sylvain, Sylvain, and Johansson, but it yeah. was fucking great. And they played that tiny venue uh, called The Independent in San Francisco. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it was a really, really good show. Um, Sylvain actually had a solo career after the Dolls broke up in 77. He had a band called The Criminals, who were actually kind of cool. Yeah, um, they're good. He also uh, released a solo album, just called uh, Sylvain Sylvain, in uh, 1979. And they did a, had another band called Sil Sylvain and the Teardrops mm-hmm. um, yeah, in 1981. He was great. Very yeah. talented man. So we're going to end the show with a New York Dolls song in tribute to Sil Sylvain. Um, this song is actually written by uh, Sylvain and David Johansson, uh, Puss in Boots. It's from their second yeah. album, Too Much Too Soon, which came out in 1974. Rest in peace, uh, Sylvain Sylvain. You'll They'll be cut missed. You. You'll yeah. be missed. Uh, anyway, people, uh, we'll be back next week with episode 775. Until then, take it sleazy. And now you're walking just like a 10 foot tall. Go ahead.
Dahmer's definitely been one of my favorite serial killers. Mainly yeah, because... Well, he picked up he picked up men at the cell block mm. where my brother worked. No way. Not my brother wasn't working there at that time, obviously. Oh, was, this is a freaking shit story then. Yeah, but well, he wasn't working at the time, but he hung out at a lot of those bars, and people knew Dahmer. Yeah, and knew like on the scene, who yeah. he was. Yeah. But and plus, I went to, uh, to there's a went to Dahmer's house, went to the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally well, would have tried that was to, get a work, to see his locker. That, that was a work thing. I remember you telling me, uh, I know. Imagine taking you there and just being like, Dharma. Well, I <laughs> did marketing, so we had to give them catalogs for this industrial supply company we worked at. And I remember being like, so uh, which locker is Dahmer's? And my boss is just like, dude, I told you not to bring that up. And I'm like, how, how could I you not, not bring, bring that up? up? It's like yeah, the elephant exactly. in the room. And the yeah. uh, the guy just was like, "Oh, we don't, you know, we don't really talk about that. That was a dark period." Uh, well, you should talk about that, and that's the only reason I'm here. Yeah, I should think there should be a it? plaque. There should be employee, employee of the, the month. month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right.